What is happening, party people, and welcome to Talking During Movies. Man, uh, this was a fun one. My friend Lisa and I finally got to catch up and chat and have a good time and reconnect, which was great. Talked over Dumb and Dumber. You're going to love this podcast, but hey, I want to open this up with a couple of shout-outs. Uh, one to uh, my friend uh, Thomas at Kick Butt Coffee. This is the first place I got a cup of coffee when I came to Austin, Texas. Uh, it's, it's a great spot. It is absolutely amazing. I, I love uh, the vibe, the energy, the staff, and they just they have great coffee, folks. So if you're in Austin, Texas or visiting Austin, Texas, check out Kick Butt Coffee. Follow them on Instagram at Kick Butt Coffee. Follow their fear, this leader, I am Ninja123. That's Thomas Goring. He's the man behind the amazing Kick Butt Coffee. So anyways, just wanted to give them some love and a shout out. Also, with the latest uh, bar closures here in Texas, you know, our friends at Dive are uh, once again uh, shut down. With that said, folks, give them some love, man. Uh, go out there, drop off, get a six-pack, or if you don't want to do that, drop by two bucks, five bucks, and then go all sorts of Deb O'Keefe with an I love you after that, okay? So have some fun with that. And with bars being closed, that means you're drinking at home. If you're drinking at home, go to colorblind.design at colorblind.design on Instagram. Check out their tactical six-pack carrier. Follow us on Instagram at Talking During Movies and see mine that was custom-made for me so that you know that you can get one custom-made for you as well. It wasn't a one-off. Uh, the team with Scott will make anything custom for you that you want when it comes to that. So check that out, folks, at colorblind.design at Dive Austin, at Kick Butt Coffee. Those are the people that we love. Lisa, give some shout-outs to the people that she loves as well. With that said, enjoy the podcast. Thank you very much. We're about to poop a big one. I pooped a big one. Lisa, we are live. Welcome to Talking During Movies, the podcast where the movie plays silently in the background. We talk, sometimes we reference it, sometimes we don't. A lot of times people get upset because we miss their favorite part that we didn't even know existed because we don't know them. So it is what it is. But thank you for joining us. How are you, my friend? I am doing great and I am really excited to be on your podcast. I've been listening to some of the episodes and uh, laughing along with it, but I also love the conversation um, about life and things in general. And I'm also thrilled with the movie that we chose because um, I think something lighthearted is needed right now. Boy, isn't that the truth? And you will see me kind of get up and move around. That's just me grabbing a beer. Um, so, no, I, I couldn't agree more that laughter is, uh, is, is desperately needed and is, is crucial uh, to health and wellness and just who we are as people. You know, um, 
it's very, it's, we're, we're in interesting times. And uh, I think uh, long form conversations where you can just grab some friends and talk, right, is, is important because we've missed a key element in life. And that's, we don't have to agree. We can still be friends. <laughs> Unless you're a Trump supporter. <laughs> that, at, that at this point is, uh, you know, I, I struggle with that one. I, you know what? I, I struggle with, uh, well, we're going to go through some of my struggles. Don't you worry. But um, <laughs> we're going to go through all of our stuff. We're going to go through some of your struggles as well if you want to. But real quick, before we go down that road, a couple of things. Um, one, for um, social media, is there a place where people can engage, interact with you on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook? Absolutely. Yeah, my Twitter is at lpeterson, uh, not .com, at just at lpeterson, L-P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N. Nice. And actually, I think my Instagram is open right now. It's Lisa D, L-I-S-A, D, 653. Nice. I think. <laughs> Close up. Folks, I'll, I'll follow her. You can uh, find her through that as well. At yeah. Talking During Movies. Um, we were talking, uh, emailing back and forth, had a conversation. One of the other things I like to do is um, a quick read, a free uh, plug for a local business. I, um, when I first came to Austin, geez, 11, almost 12 years ago, I was on the north side of Austin off Burnett. Remember the triangle with the, uh, there was that bar there that had all the plates, you know, you could like earn a plate if you drank like a hundred beers in a two months or something crazy. Wow. It's called Flying Saucer. <laughs> but next to the Flying Saucer. Yep. 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 Next to that Flying Saucer was this cool place called Kick Butt Coffee. And it was the first place I got a cup of coffee. I liked them. I liked their style. And like a month later, I won this $250 gift card to have coffee there. So here I am, no job, new to Austin. And I mean, I'm just, I'm using the Wi-Fi and the coffee from kick, but like nobody's business. I'm <laughs> after it. And, and I loved it. And you know, I mean, kick butt has been voted the coolest venue you thought was only a coffee shop. Uh, it's been called one of the best coffee shops in Austin. They do live music. They, uh, they do stand up comedy. They've got this, the, what is it on May 18th? They did if the coffin fits, which was a live stream. Uh, from their place where they just, they, they do all sorts of events. It's so much more, but more importantly, you know, uh, a coffee places are a dime a dozen. So to get good coffee, fun service, a cool environment that's not overly kitschy, right? I mean, no one's, there's not a ninja at the door, right? But that's still, it's very cool. It's amazing. Uh, Thomas there does a great job. Uh, they're off of Airport Boulevard now. So they are at 5775 Airport Boulevard, Austin, Texas. The food's good. The people are good. Thomas is great. Uh, and he's been a good voice for small business and, and what's fair in small business and what's going on. And I, you know, I love and respect him. I think he's great. Um, I think his coffee shop's great. I love the idea of it and everything that it does. So uh, with that, you know, I, I went there the other day and I grabbed him and I go, hey, man, I always like to ask permission. Can I give you a read on the podcast? He's like, really? I'm like, absolutely, man. I mean, Trust me, it's worth at least the 250 bucks in uh, free coffee that I won from you when I first moved here. So that's my, that's my little shout out, my love to uh, Thomas at Kick Butt Coffee. Uh, who's, uh, who's on your faves list to go grab uh, a bite to eat or get something to go during this time that, that we need to check out? So um, this one, this gentleman is actually uh, one of my friend's husbands and lives in the neighborhood, which you and I just found out. 
that we actually live in the same neighborhood. We were going to do the social distance tonight, <laughs> but actually because of the COVID numbers are, are skyrocketing right now, uh, we yeah. decided, you know, we should best do this by Zoom. But um, his name is Sanjay Patel. Okay. And the, and, uh, the reason why I'm calling him out is because, I don't know if you knew this, but in my previous life, you know, before I moved to Austin, I've been in Austin for about, 15 years, but in my previous life, I was a celebrity publicist mm. and with the Stones and Elton John and the Allman Brothers. And I was based in New York at worked for Rogers and Cowan, who was like a mega, you know, celebrity firm, you know, way back in the good old days. Way, way back. And, Ogilvy and Mather running ads. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And um, so anyway, I worked with a lot of um, entertainment photographers. You know, I wouldn't necessarily work, work directly with them, but we would set, uh, you know, Jagger or some of our other celebrity clients to shoot with David LaChapelle um, or, you know, people like that. So very talented photographers. So Sanjay uh, is like a creative storyteller, but he is one of those talented people that when he captures an image, it just blows you away. So he's worked a lot in Hollywood with MGM Studios and Lionsgate and everybody who's anybody. Um, he does a lot of um, photo shoots of movie film sets. And in fact, he did the cover art for the book, 12 Years a Slave. Wow. So he is super talented and I feel like, I don't know, I just don't know if people, but he is so talented. Actually, so here in the neighborhood, uh, I got to see him in action and um, we have a friend that is a startup that we all just kind of, they wanted to pull together some marketing collateral. So Sanjay donated, you know, his creative skills and then I donated myself as a model, you know, not, <laughs> I, I was in the mom swimsuit. And, everything but um but to see him in action and the way he you know captured photos and the way he ran that photo shoot and then to see the finished product as beautiful as it was um he's pretty top-notch but he does print ads as well works with like usaa volkswagen anyhow i just wanted to give a major shout out to him he's an awesome dude in general but his website is sanjaynpatel.com awesome yeah. Yeah. I, love, I love great talent like that. I mean, that is one, it's hard to find. And as you and I both know, who have worked with and filtered through all the people that say they're a photographer or they're this or they're that, or they're a writer. He's legit. You know, to find a legit one is very hard. And to find a legit one that then also shows up and does the work on time is just as hard. Yeah. So that's awesome. Now you pick this movie. The movie is? Dumb and Dumber great film great film. Which i did a little bit of research okay i had to get i had to get somewhat prepared i mean it is my favorite movie and i've seen seen it like a million times but 2019 was its 25th anniversary do you feel old as old as i, I do now i feel old every day i wake up and <laughs> i look and i see what's going on in the world and i'm just like all of a sudden i go huh Wow. Yeah, no, I was, I used to watch that show. 25 yeah. years. Damn it. Yes, I know it. I know it. You know, and Jim Carrey is only getting crazier. So it's. 
poor guy. He's actually awesome. I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's funny when people transition or change or do something different or speak out outside of the, 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 um, the corporate line they're supposed to give. And everyone's like, Oh, that guy went fucking crazy. Like, or he has an opinion that maybe before financially he didn't express or she didn't express because they wanted to protect their bank account. And now they've got that, what Joe Rogan calls fuck you money. And now they get to do what they want. Who's they are you talking about? I'm sorry? When you say they, who do you mean? Uh, you know, corporations and advertisers and business Oh, corporations. Partners. Jim Carrey and his girlfriend, because I don't know if you knew that, but a couple years ago that he was sued for killing his girlfriend, but she yeah. was like, Rug, I'm so sorry when you said they, I thought that's what you were referring oh, to. Oh, no, yeah, no. He, you know, he's run into some, uh, some problems, as I think anyone with that amount of wealth and influence mm -hmm. uh, you're going to run into because you're not perfect and your imperfections are highlighted. And also the avenue in which you go to find excitement or in which you go to experience new things when you have endless amounts of money or access to things uh, changes mm -hmm. dramatically. Yeah. Uh, not not excusing anyone's bad behavior, uh, but uh, saying that I think we need to understand where we decide to categorize or put people, and in putting them in those areas, you know, it's 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 like saying, well, put him in. Yeah. What's that? What area would you put him in? I would put him in um, eclectic affluence, and where that road goes is up to him, oddly enough, and not anyone else. I mean, he's. He's a living Andy Kaufman, uh, you know, with an artistic flair that others just don't have. And, uh, and I don't care attitude that just came later versus coming uh, right away. So right. I'm, uh, we're like 12 seconds in, New Line Cinema. I'm just going to hit play here at 12 seconds in. It's playing quietly in the background. So with all that said, Dumb and Dumber, as we were talking, I mean, this has a, this is some great, th great elements for, for conversation. Right, great elements. One, you've got a, a failed startup business, which we've seen a couple of. Uh, you've got a you've got a road trip. You have friendship, and you have relationship. And by relationship, it is the it is the perception sometimes of a relationship versus the reality of a, of, a, of a relationship. Uh, and then you have management or mismanagement, however you want to describe it, of money. So it really has this really broad spectrum of all of these things happening that, um, that make this crazy, eclectic comedy that covers bad lisps, bad hair, best intentions, and horrible delivery. I mean, if there's a guy who can run 99 yards and drop the ball and still think that he got the touchdown, it's dumb and dumber, right? I mean... <laughs> It's crazy. Yes, and let's not also forget stupidity. Mm -hmm. Absolute stupidity, which we uh, which we definitely <laughs> uh, definitely see a lot of a lot of these days uh, across the board. And you know, it's an interesting thing. They, um, it's an attitude. It's so funny because there's stupidity where you don't want to ask a question. You're just going to go do your thing and not learn, right? There is stupidity of this is the way I've always done it and I don't I don't know any different uh and then there is the uh no banjo sorry my dog I'm on the patio because I talk loud and I'm drinking which only makes me talk louder and then my dog is with me because he loves 
because he loves he loves to be out uh, with me. And then all of a sudden, he's like, wait, I smell something. I'm going to go outside and bark. And uh, Bernard, hey, get over here. Yeah, see, you got, you're, you're, in the, you're in the game. You know what's going on. And you got, the, yes, your dog's sleeping next to you. Mine is deciding whether he's going to try to sneak outside or not, little SOB. Look at that cutie. What, uh, I know. Hey, you're breaking up a little bit for me. I don't know if it's, it, do you, I don't know if it, do you ever have complaints about it? I'm, I'm on nope. gigabyte over here, so I don't think it's me. I'm a, I'm a gigabyte over here. I think it's just traffic on the internet on a Friday night as people are um, streaming because they are all home because bars got closed at, uh, at uh, uh, 1 p.m. yesterday or noon or whatever it was. What do you, I here's an interesting thing. Where do you think that insight comes from? Uh, you know, there, it, it seems from the outside looking in, from a person who tries to read a lot of stuff, but at the same time uh, wants to try to understand things as well. I don't understand the arbitrary nature of a bar being closed, but like, so this morning drove down Abel's and Mozart's on the lake, right? Jam packed. I mean, wait list an hour long. This morning? Yeah. On the lake, every table full, all cocktails, ready to rock and roll. And I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying I don't understand why Dive Bar, 1703 Guadalupe, cannot serve people at all. No one can come in. It's shut down, right? Because it's a bar, 51% plus alcohol. But others can. I don't I don't understand the, the, the difference, if you will, right? Um, and, it, and, it, and for someone who doesn't understand, it seems arbitrary. Uh, and I'm not saying it is arbitrary. Uh, I don't think that they're flipping coins in the back room being like, well, okay, it's heads. Shutting back bars, shutting them down again. I just, I just don't understand. And I don't, I don't know if you, from how you, uh, how you explore the world and see things and know people, if there's a different insight that you have on that. Yeah, I know. I definitely do have a perspective on it. And um, my ex-husband and I actually founded a men's grooming company called Finley's Barbershop here in Austin. We're in Austin, Houston, Dallas, and Denver. So, um, you know, from an outside perspective, watching him, what he's having to go through, um, you know, that he was very concerned that, Governor Abbott was asking that they open because the business of barbershops, I mean, that is close proximity, high, tra high traffic, you know, it just kind of seemed unfathomable that, you know, Abbott would approve something like that. So actually when he gave approval, he, he, he even announced a date and then turned around and upped it a week, which was crazy. And so, so, Finley's did not open when mm -hmm. Abbott said to open. We waited until we felt that, you know, we were very comfortable with the sanitation processes and put a lot of time and effort into that. And the reason why I know so much now is literally because he hired me to handle the PR <laughs> for the company. So, but I do feel it's a very interesting story to tell. We actually had a Washington Post photographer at the store yesterday. Oh. Um, he, yeah, but I mean, people are talking about it and um, what he is hoping, because now Abbott's closing down bars and restaurants, um, 
you know, I don't know if you saw that story in Minnesota, but there were two COVID positive stylists that worked for Great Clips, which is actually a competitor. They're based, I believe, here in Austin as well. Are they but, a competitor? I mean, Great Clips, I remember as a kid. Not really. Didn't they I offer mean, the Floby cut? All the fun of a haircut, none of the mess. And it's just well, a vacuum cleaner. Like, get like a, you know, men's cut or whatever. But yeah, no, not really. We kind of blow them away. But <laughs> so, anywho, we are going through major stringent. We're taking temperatures before people walk in. We had somebody on the very first day that Plano opened have a 101 degree fever that we turned away. Good for um, you. But, but, in, but this, yeah, we turned them away. Um, and they were shocked. They were shocked that they had a fever. Had no idea. They did contact us. They did contact contact us afterward and say that they were fine, which was great news. But um, but the story in Minnesota at the Great Clips was two COVID positive employees potentially infected 140 customers. Wow. Well, that's the volume, right? I mean, that's the volume numbers you're talking about. So I guess the state kind of stepped in and they monitored all of those people that were potentially infected, but because the stylist and the customer were both required to wear masks, not a single person was infected, not one. Wow. Masks yeah. work. So that is my message. I see a lot of people fighting about it. And I understand you have um, listeners that, that tune in from all over the world. And I mean, I can imagine what they are seeing of America right now, but you know, we are sitting our asses at home right now and you know, wear a damn mask guys. That's my, my opinion, my opinion. Well, it's, it's interesting because I look at this uh, and I'm a VH, I'll show my age, right? Where the seatbelt law came into effect. And it was, that's fucking ridiculous. Why do I don't have to? That law was ridiculous. Oh, yeah, that's fucking stupid. Drinking and what driving. Falls? I loved riding right there in the middle, you know, in the middle yes. seat, front, no seatbelt. <laughs> I mean, this reminds me of that. Then there's one, one huge difference, and I'll say that after this. But it's like, I mean, I remember the Rainier beer commercial. Uh, the guy goes to the store, he grabs a 12 pack of Rainier, he straps it on the back of his motorcycle. And he drives away, and as he's shifting, it says the beer goes range near to beer <laughs> on the corner, and he's gone. And mo mothers against drunk driving were like, "This is no, no, no. We don't do drinking and driving. You did no. This is not happening. You no." And I mean, road sodas in Montana, where I grew up, that was a thing. It was a, you got in the car, you opened up a beer. I'm from Alabama, honey. <laughs> we had people. If you had a beer, if you had an open container, that doesn't mean you're drunk. I mean, nobody, you know, hey, I'm drunk. Yeah. I'm just having a, having a, and so, but now Abbott's letting us bring beer home and I'm drinking a tour cheese, tacos, margarita nice. kit. I was, you know, it's funny. I was going to get a, and I shot him a nice note and I do, I don't mean this as a knock. Uh, I, I, it's, I shot it as a nice note to them because I was confused. I wanted to get some Pine House beer for tonight because I love uh, Pine House and I was by Pine House. And I was like, oh, so I rolled up and they're like, oh, did you place an order to go? And I said, no, you know what, you're, something wasn't working. I couldn't figure out uh, your, um, how to order beer online to pick up and go. 
And the gal's like, oh, let me walk you through it. So go see, it goes here, but there's no button to push. She goes, oh, you have to push down below. I'm like, yeah, but you've got the plus and minus for one six pack or two or whatever, four pack, whatever it is. I go, but then where do I go? She goes, the very bottom push. So I push, nothing happens. She goes, oh yeah. It's not, it's, it's not, it's, it's not user friendly and I'm not smart. No, 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 Me, I literally, some friends and I were just like on a blanket saying, hey, let's order tacos for the kids tonight on our phones. We could not do it. Yeah, and could so I'm just, so I was like, hey, I just don't know how. Can I just get uh, two four packs to go? And she goes, yes, let me show you how. And then oh. shows me the process and then goes, now go to your car and order and then we'll bring it out to you. But, uh, and I was like, no. Is that I the left. one in the neighborhood? South Lamar. Yeah. Oh, South Lamar, okay. South Lamar, and I was just like, okay. And I just walked to my car and drove away. <laughs> I would have too. Because That's I'm not stupid. waiting. It's just, you know, and it says on there, this will be about 20 minutes and I'm not gonna sit in my car for 20 minutes and I wanted to go get groceries and other things. And I was already at the door and if I wanted to go in and order a pizza or dine in, I could have gone in, ordered a pizza, got those two four packs and left. So I just shot him a note and I said, hey, I'm just confused. Can I only get beer to go if I place it to go and you guys are prepared and then you bring it out to my car, which is fine, I don't care. It just doesn't say it anywhere. And then when I tried to go up to just buy beer, I was given this as, a, as an option, which leads me to believe that that's the only way to do it, which once again, that's okay. People just, like you and I are somewhat technolo technologically savvy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've launched international global protection apps that have protected reporters in the Congo. Right, and I worked, <laughs> I ran consumer PR for Dell. Dell. For, we, know, we know how this shit works. We just, we, there's a user-friendly aspect to it that we just look and go, right. I would recommend purchase or just yeah, add to cart, but there's yeah. no add to cart button. It's just, you have to know at the bottom, there's a bar that says you have one here or one and you, you touch that a couple of, you have to do it like two or three times and then it gets it, which once again, I'm not expecting Pinehouse pizza to be the best at ordering beer online from right. a mobile phone or a website or anything else. I'm not, I just was confused. And then also I think in this time, we're at, we're at a delicate balance of having understanding of mistakes being made and things working through. And also how bad do you want my money? Cause I don't have a lot of it. Not a lot of people are working. So we're limited on funds. We're limited on distribution. We don't know what the future holds. So we're holding back a little bit more than we usually do. So if that's you want my 30 bucks for the two four packs, which is fine. If you don't, that's fine. Or if you just want to keep doing what you're doing. That, I don't care. I just want to know. So I know, do I have to plan my beer adventure? Or can I be driving by and go, man, you know what? An electric jellyfish sounds good. Right. I don't care which one it is, but I would recommend over any study on any consumer habit ever done in the history of humanity will tell you. Spree buys, random purchase buys account for a lot more and scheduled buys, which is why grocery stores are laid out the way they are, to make you maneuver through them so that your grocery list is added onto. And knowing that we'll be like, ah, chips sound good. Ooh, Mexican street corn, fantastic H-E-B. I will get some of that, it's got a nice little spice. Uh, that is why online grocery shopping is dangerous. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I typed in mustard. I did not know you could get Whataburger honey mustard. Is that good? So I've I, never had Whataburger. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Can, huh? 
I've never had it. I've only had it a few times. I am not a, a huge fan like most Texans. Yeah, I just, I have enough addictions. I'm addicted to pizza and booze and edibles. So I don't need to add in fast food of any kind. Right. Or, you know, some, someone's like, hey, you know, I, I don't go to Irene's as much as I used to. Why? Because Chef Mary Catherine, uh, well, I don't know. She makes the most bomb-ass desserts I've ever put in my mouth. Three-layer strawberry shortcake cake. I'm like, ah, ah. Hell, I'm fat as hell. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm just, you know, close to 50 and just doesn't matter how many miles I bike a day. My body's still like, remember that beer you had on Tuesday in February? Still holding on to it, champ. Don't worry. Yeah. Remember <laughs> the quarantine quarter stone. <laughs> That's, you know, I love that. There was a quarantine thing and it was pretty funny. It was like, hey, uh, I got that quarantine body, you know, that real nice personality. Like, 100%. No gyms, riding my bike, hot as hell. Came across a snake. I was like, well, I'm not riding that way anymore. There's snakes everywhere. Doesn't matter. I was like, no, I'm a, I'm a, I would rather get hit by a car again than get struck by a snake to the point where I'm riding down Southwest Parkway. Like I'm doing like 15 miles a day on Southwest Parkway. Cars going by at 80 because there's no cops and there's no traffic. And these hey, do that. You're going to die. No helmet. You <laughs> Just, don't wear a helmet. No, too old. Listen, if I get hit, I want to die. I should beat you upside the head with it. <laughs> I will cruise down. Well, I haven't met her yet, but we, we're going to meet, right? Because we're going to get our yeah. kids together. We get our kids uh, at the pool. They're going to play. It's a perfect depth uh, for our kids' age. They're I love it. In a ball in, and then you, me, the wife, we're going to sit and have, crack open a bottle of Prosecco or whatever, margaritas, and relax. Love it. As it should be. As it, as it should be. Um. In the world of failed businesses where, you know, we have our two kings uh, who are, um, have kind of a pet business, I guess you would say. They've got a great vehicle for it. Uh, I don't know if they've got anything else. It, 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 their pet business reminds me of, for Dumb and Dumber, their pet hey. business <laughs> reminds me of every hypey startup I've ever heard of looking for funding. We're like, they've got the vehicle. We've got the car. Do you have the talent? We have the car and the URL. Do you have the talent? Do you have any depth? What are you doing? Uh, what's your story that you want to tell them? Like, we have the coolest car. I got worms. I got worms. <laughs> I got a parakeet without a head taped on. I got worms. Sing for me, sweetie. Sing for me. In the PR world, you run a delicate balance of pitching business, being pitched business, and deciding which one's bullshit and which one you wanna put your time and talents behind that not only will help that company move forward, but can hinder or hurt a journalist's career, can hinder or hurt your relationship with that journalist or that paper. All the bullshit that we hear about, about PR and PR people and some of the movies that, or some of the shows that try to capture it, that do a horrible job. How do you, how do you weigh those? Because that's a lot of weighing to do. There's not a lot of people and not a lot of businesses and not a lot of companies, not a lot of jobs that have that much weight in every decision that's made. Because then you make that decision. And then what? If you have a staff 
or you hire freelancers only, then you have to talk them into doing it. They have to have the same vision, excitement, and idea that's going to map to the same vision, excitement, idea of that person. They have to deliver that, and they have to deliver it in a way, and it's a trickle-down effect again and again and again from photographers to freelance writers to other pitchers. How do you weigh that out? How do you navigate all those waters? You know, I had a startup, you know, I've been doing some private consulting totally just on the side. Um, Cause after, after Dell, I started a family and now I have my little girl. So I'm just, you know, consulting and I do get the choice now. So, you know, the ex-husband's like, Hey, you know, will you do the PR for the business? I feel that they have a COVID related story to tell makes sense for me to pitch. But then the startup that I was working with that I really liked, it was a cannabis related uh, company um, out in LA mm -hmm. and um, actually had a, a very cool story, I, I thought. And, um, but as I started to interview them, the executives, as any, as any reporter would to get the full story, like, I, you, you know, you need the full story to understand what's really going on behind the scenes. Do you have, you know, and they could not answer simple, basic questions, but were like, you just need to get the press to our, our rooftop event in LA in, in less than a week. Huh? And I'm like, you shouldn't be launching shit right now. <laughs> I said, if I put you in front of press, you will be fucking decimated. You can't answer a single question. And what press do they want? Do they want that cool, fun where you're cannabis, so the can only cannabis only press? Or do they want no, like real they, shit? Like I want cannabis press. They wanted business, tech. So they wanted Jane Wells to show up who covers West Coast, CNBC, marijuana. Really, honestly, put marijuana on CNBC for the first time is probably- Let me, And this is actually a fun story, okay? And, uh, so- I, of course, that, 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 that is potentially putting my name on the line. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know what I mean? And I mean, I have spent decades building relationships with, with press, as you have. And um, so to reach out, you know, to people. So I said, you know what? I'm not going to reach out to the business tech press. If, I don't feel that you're ready to launch. So I will reach out to LA-based press. And I actually secured an interview uh, for them with, you know, a very influential LA business press local person. I'm not going to name them. And the first thing the CEO asked me is, uh, can you ask the reporter if they smoke weed? Great. I have never done that. I mean, I don't know. I've never done that in my entire life. You know, I mean, I thought it was kind of funny. I did end up talking to the reporter. I did ask him. He said, oh, er, you know, don't know. You know, I guess I gather that they did end up smoking a joint before the interview. Um, but oh, they yeah. were sad that the reporter followed up with me later. And he was like, look, he's like, I'm going to decline to write at this time. Um, they're just not ready. You, you know what I mean? What a and, nice reporter, though, to because to tell me that, and you know what I mean. Yeah. So I, I, and so I think at that point, you know, I was just like, I can't, I, I, I'm not gonna pitch. You're not ready. Call me oh. when you're ready. 
Yeah, absolutely. Great company, great concept, great people behind it. But the cannabis industry that I have, I have found is the wild, wild west right now. And they have no organization. They, they have no professional, like, executive leadership type. You know, they're just, like, throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. And uh, it was, it's kind of crazy. I wouldn't mind working in the cannabis industry, but, but that, one, that one threw me for a loop. <laughs> I mean, I, I would, I, I'm with you. I'd love to work in it. But I'm waiting for private equity to come in, buy up, organize. Mm-hmm cut fat, put in supply chain. Uh, my, my brother is in, the, um, is in the cannabis business and he worked for this store for a while and they were heavy on items and there's some stuff wasn't moving there still, but he was very confused. He's much smarter than me. This kid is aces. He went home and he wrote a, an app and a script, wireframed and then wrote a full working supply chain app for the store showing profit margins, what's most profitable, what's being sold, what's being marketed, how most profitable stuff is sometimes hidden behind or next to something that doesn't sell. And did this whole thing. I'm like, great, thanks. In an efforts to become a buyer for multiple store locations. And they just shared it with the buyers and this moved along. And you know, my brother's like, hey man, like you guys, what the fuck is going on here? Honestly, like this is child's play. This girl likes edibles, she's the buyer, so she's buying all edibles. We're running out of smoke every day, running out of flour every day, and edibles are expiring. You know, thousand milligram cookies. Expire? Yeah, they're expiring, not going anywhere. And so then that's wasted, right? So the, the store's not profitable if they don't understand because they're moving so much product. But why, well, there's, a, and he's like, here, this is why you got a shitty buyer. You don't have any technology on the back end. All your technology is on the front end on POS and highlighting all of this cool shit inside so I can read about it. You're broken. Now he works for a bigger conglomerate um, that rates and reviews and does some other stuff in the, in the cannabis industry, which is pretty cool. But I'm with you, man. It's um, I'm waiting for some not smart people. I'm waiting for some organized people to come in aggressively and really create a Starbucks chain in California, create one in Colorado to where it's the same every time. Cause every time I go there and I buy something, I get it delivered to the hotel. I don't know what I'm getting. I don't, it's kind of hit and miss. Yeah. I mean, I've done the, um, through this podcast and, uh, through some relationships, uh, I went to, um, a fairly well-known chain of stores and was got the celebrity treatment where they waited everyone outside. What? And you got off alone? And then I walked in and they're like, here's your bud tender. It's very good to see you. No one will bother you. And this walked me through and then I got 50% off. Yeah, bud tender. Oh, bud tender. I was about to say, I was about to say, they need a way cooler name than that. Oh, bud tender. I love it. Got walked through everything, everything. 50% 50% off. What? Yeah. I'm going with you next time you go. <laughs> <laughs> I get, I get some, yeah, I, uh, there's some times where I get taken care of. Yeah. Hey, cool. hashtag legalize marijuana. Uh, seriously. Hey, uh, of that 3 trillion we doled out, you want a trillion back? Easy way to do it. There's two things. We could get two thirds of that money back in a year. Quite simply. One, 
the CF, uh, the, the Consumer Protection Finance Bureaucracy or whatever, the CFMB or CFPB. Uh, yeah, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, CFPB. Just made an announcement on lending. They're like, we are going to make it, well, our proposal for mortgages and um, other high-end items, we are going to make it harder for someone with high credit and, uh, and um, uh, making high money. We're gonna make it harder for them to get a loan. We're gonna make it harder. So the most creditworthy people that have the most assets, we're gonna make it harder for them to get a loan. Uh, same thing similarly happened in a different financial crisis. Obviously, there was more of a credit financial crisis in Dodd-Frank. Well, what a lot of people don't know is that, you know, about 30% of people are considered mass affluent high net worth, making over $250,000, have a home between $750,000 and $5 million. None of them have been able to refinance since Dodd-Frank. That is over... Since, I'm sorry? Since when have they not been able to refinance? Dodd-Frank, so about 2008. So hey, rates, have gone, rates have only gone down. These are financially savvy and smart people. And uh, they're sitting on five and a half, six percent interest rates, and they cannot refinance. So you've got, you've got that aspect. In just California alone, between 2008 and, or 2009 and 2019, over a hundred thousand homes, between seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars and five million dollars, was bought all cash. So no mortgage present, no paper present at the time. That's about $400 billion. And that's a finite lane, right? That's 750 to 5 million. That's not above 5 million. That's not below 750. It's a, it's a really fine lane. It's $400 billion. If you wanna bring those people back into the consumer lending platform with all of their assets that they wanna leverage and move, now mind you, they're smart and there's, there's weight there, right? I, uh, manage debt, will they build wealth, right? I mean, it's, Trust me, it's a game and it doesn't always, but if you want some of that money back, that's a trillion dollars right there. Your other trillion to you, hashtag legalize marijuana. You, you, want, you want your other $2 trillion back? You want to create the next biggest market of all time? Legalize hemp and marijuana across the US. And it's done. Signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours. That money's back in 12 months, if not sooner. They're already letting people out of jail for, for minor, you know, so yeah. they, I mean, and, and I hear, I hear rumors, you know, you know, Texas is supposed to, supposedly super Republican. I do, I do see that all over the place. However, um, I am hearing mumblings, even from Texas Republicans, that uh, weed reform is on the way here. Well, Surprise. It's like, um, it's I don't legal. know, are you hearing No, no, I'm just, I mean, it's, I, I love it. I'm excited. I just, I know it's legal when it comes to, uh, what there's like certain oils for kids with that, but like there's a very specific lane once again, where they're like, yes, by all means, please take care of this. But it's crazy. I'm having a beer here. I can have too many of these and legitimately die. I cannot smoke enough weed or eat enough edibles to die. It's a right. great, it's, and you know, and let's be honest with a guy who does what hundred million downloads a month, People have heard Rogan talk about this nonstop. Who, by the way, might be moving to Austin. No way. Yes, wait. And please do, Joe. Please take your $100 million Spotify deal. 
Don't let California get a cent of it. Bring well, all it that be, shit over here. Better legalize. He's not gonna move here without it being legalized. Yes, he will. He's Why? Been traveling they, and doing weed. Well, it's. I mean, if they, I believe they'll decriminalize it first. Um, Austin's well, pretty lax. Criminalized to have a small amount. It is. It is now legal to have a small amount on you in Travis County. You yeah, will not. So, may get like a fine or something, but. Yeah, I mean, Joe. Well, I, the way he travels and does stuff, I don't, I don't see that being the hiccup. Um, I'll tell you what, I would treat him like a big business. I would, I'd be not on the level of Tesla, but I would, if I'm the, if I am Texas, and I hear that rumbling, mind you, that's a hundred million dollar deal with just Spotify, just Spotify, which created five billion dollars in stock growth for them. So, Rogan. Wow. Uno momento, por favor. One man. One man. So, think about all the people he would fly out here for his podcast, because he only likes to do them in person. Think about the comedy store he wants to start or help that's already existing. Think about all the other people he's going to show Texas. And, and, and then, you, you know, I go to my brain, and I'm like, man, does Texas have a, a good... PR firm or a PR person that's on the entertainment side of what you did that would grab Joe and go, listen, every guest, where do they want to stay? We got it. What do they want to do? We got it. Why? Because they're business people, because they're entertainers, because if we can steal them from other places and bring their millions of dollars here where they can spend that here first, let's do it. And there's the Austin Film Society, which is a huge hub. I mean, they've got studios out there that i mean they filmed all kinds of stuff out there yeah which another one of my favorite movies by the way that i sent to you was bernie with uh with jack black yeah rick linklater and there's a couple of austin celebrities in it like quita culpepper from the news and uh uh dale dudley gosh i'm gonna butcher the name but on the radio and that's based on a true story so Rick Linklater lives here in Austin and Bernie is a real man. He was a mortician, you know, shot this old lady and went to jail for it. And uh, Rick Linklater got involved and said, can, if I promise to take care of him, can he live at my house? So I guess he, I gather he made like a, an apartment for him or something. But then he lived there for a while. But the next thing I heard, and this is years ago, I think that, but, but he, he went, had to go back to jail. Well, I mean, he killed someone. He totally killed somebody, but they let him out. So then I just wonder what happened that they took him back. He must've maybe violated parole or something. It's, it's interesting where, um, where influence changes things, right? Where it's like, Hey, what are you? I'm a mortician, I have a funeral home. I killed a lady, but my story is so amazing and it's so much fun. Now I made a movie about it, I'm gonna get out of jail. Even for a, yeah, that, that, that helps, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, we, we just went through the scene where you know, uh, they get pulled over and the cop's like, is that booze? And they're like, no, we've been peeing in these bottles. And he's like, all right, buddy, whatever. And then, you know, grabs it and takes a sip and it is, uh, 
laughs. Everyone laughs. And by the way, everyone, if you're if you're mad if you're mad at cops, if you're mad at this scenario, if you're mad at what's going on, watch Dumb and Dumber. Watch Dumb and Dumber and watch a fake cop drink fake piss and get disgusted by it and laugh your little asses off. Okay, because wait, so was to be was I supposed to be playing the movie this whole time? You don't have to. Don't worry about it. Listen, you can. You I mean. Want to get to where you are what minute is that where am i at hold on one second here because that's now we're now we're at the fight scene where he is fighting the chef i believe in his brain right uh 34 minutes and 30 seconds in and he just ripped his heart out still beating uh, a little more aggressive than uh, put it into the doggy bag wraps it up and says and here you go see you later. Uh, okay so we're still we're still it's asking me to install a vpn update oh just but... just ignore those pop-ups do not install anything from these pop-ups from these illegal oh, wait links. i just said install oh crap <laughs> just turn your computer off except for zoom and don't worry about it and this makeout scene is reminiscent of the first time i remember kissing a girl where because i'd never kissed a girl so i'm this kid i'm a junior in high school in kalispell montana and i forget her name i've never <laughs> kissed a girl yeah Old as hell. I got. I had my first kiss in sixth grade. Why were you oh. so old? Uh, one, my parents are a little religious, right? Uh, they're a little right at the sheriff of Nottingham. They're a little crazy. Uh, two, my mom. Yeah, she was. She was crazy and aggressive. And then, I just. I didn't know how to. I. Um, I didn't like being around people. I didn't know how to be around people. My mom used to. I would get punished on the weekends if I didn't have friends to go see. She's like, oh, you didn't make any friends at school? Are you not going to go hang out with friends or play? Mow the lawn. Clean the house. Paint. I got punished. Parenting 101. If you're taking notes, that's what you do. If your kid will not make friends, you punish them into making friends. <laughs> no! A wrong answer! <laughs> answer so have you seen those memes it's like you know my therapist it's like i don't want to introduce my family to or what what should i say the therapist says which what now how are you gonna introduce your family with the next time you see them and and the person says welcome to the shit show <laughs> and the therapist says no Enough. so there's all those the therapist is like no <laughs> yes it's yes my mom's been married multiple times my first stepdad's been married multiple times. My second stepdad. Are you kidding? What religion? Well, yeah, no, uh, you're going to love this. And this, you know, this talk about if anyone owes the African-American community an apology, it's this religion, Assembly of God. They took beautiful black music of praising God. They added a white person with a tambourine and a triangle and you speaking in tongues and no rhythm running up and down the aisles you're 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 one step away from dancing with snakes right i mean this is like the there's there's the african-american church that's singing and praising and just you're like man this is amazing and you've got no the, but speaking in tongues a different level yeah it's a whole different level you know it's a whole so casting demons out right in church Woo! we're gonna have a party over here so that was, that was the religion. Um, yeah, so I met this girl. It was, I was at Flathead Valley Community, or Flathead Valley High School, this, the largest high school in Montana. I was there for one year. I'd met this gal, uh, 
And I remember I drove her home and she just opened her mouth as wide as she could and just turned her head to the side and just came towards me. <laughs> and I'd never kissed anyone before. I was like, okay. And like the tongue's out a little bit. And it's like, ah, like it's like searching for something. And I was like, well, I also watched Alien. So this is, <laughs> this is not, this is, this is not good making out. Wow. And then, I mean, and I was, I mean, this is, as, as we're watching two men in a, in a heart-shaped hot tub slam beers, I don't feel guilty saying this. I remember being like, hey, Bernard, get over here. Don't try to go outside and howl at people. I remember hanging out with this one gal, a different gal. I remember at first I was like, oh, wow, kissing's really cool. Now I'm on. Now I'm like, this is amazing. And uh, we broke into a hotel, my buddy and I did, with our dates to go swimming. Because there's no pools in <laughs> northwest Montana especially in the wintertime. So we broke into a hotel and we're hanging out and we are, we're in there and we're, we're making out. And do you remember those, um, that, uh, you could buy them in gas stations, uh, snackins. Snackins. Yeah. They had like corn nuts in them. They had that rye chip. They had the little braided pretzel. They had like a whole menagerie of corn checks, everything. It was like the bag of all the bullshit. No. So we had a bag of those. And I remember she would chew some up like a mama bird and then make out with me and I would eat the rest out of her mouth. And I thought this was romantic. 15 wait, 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 wait. I think for your listeners, you just need to repeat what you just said. <laughs> no, I don't. Because <laughs> I, I don't think I heard it right. I don't think I heard it right. We would so Tell me again what y'all did. We are hanging out in the hot tub. And we got this yeah. bag of like chips, which is full of and bullshit. you chewed corn nuts. Some of them. She'd chew some of them. We'd make out. I'd get the rest out. And I'd chew those up and eat them. Oh, so you'd get them out of her mouth. Yeah. Gross, man. Listen, 16. Never kissed before. This is my second time kissing. I thought this wow. was kissing. I had a friend in college, at Bible college, who had never kissed anyone before until Bible, Bible college. college. I'm a pastoral ministries major. Long pause. Long, long. Just, You might get struck by lightning talking to me, honey. Oh, uh, uh, trust me. The things I've done, uh, let's not worry about a thing. <laughs> you might get struck by lightning. <laughs> Got me like, we're gonna, I've had pastors on this show and they're just like, well, this is interesting, you know, it's, uh, yeah, we're going to go down that road in a second. But no, so I had a buddy in Bible college, had never made out with anyone, finally meets this girl, he's making out with her, and he tells me his fetish, his new thing he's found out, where she has to shower before they go on their date and make out, hang on, you're going to freak out a little bit, it's going to make my little innocent 16-year-old makeout session breaking into a pool in Kalispell, Montana seem how many, how, how old is he? He is uh, 18 years old, 19. Okay. Met this girl, likes her. And, and he's a church friend. He's a Bible college, Northwest Bible College in Seattle, Washington, where we have the MRS degree for the ladies. Ring by Springer, your money back. MRS degree? <laughs> wow. Wow, huh? Okay, keep going, keep going. <laughs> I, I need to know. 
fetishes. Come on now. I'm waiting. Give it to me. Goes, next time we may next time we go out, she's gonna shower first. I'm like, dude, what the hell happened? He's like, we were making out, I was kissing her neck, and then I got this feeling and I just went for it. I licked her armpit. I licked her armpit. He should be embarrassed he told you that. <laughs> <laughs> he was so excited. He goes, it felt so good on my tongue. Oh, I'm like, did she like it? He's like, and then. Guess did he think it was a practice vagina? No, he just liked being close to her body. Then he told me, guess what else is cool? What? Lick their eyes. Okay, that's see. This is what Bible people think is sexy. God, no, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bite my tongue. <laughs> no, because I was married to an ex Jehovah's Witness, and I have seen religion fuck up so many people's lives. Um, I think it's absolutely insane. I really do. I really, I mean, I do. I, uh, you know what, I um. People can go to my Facebook. They'll see it, right? I've checked into church. I like church. I like the idea of church. I really do. I like the mm -hmm. idea of understanding the Bible. I like the cultural elements. I like the historical elements. I think that 99% of pastors who talk about the Bible get it 1,000% wrong. That they do not challenge or aggressively understand, one, the historical nature of what's happening, the cultural nature of what's happening. So the importance of understanding and telling a story of what it really means. Mm -hmm. I would also say that I don't go to church anymore, especially after COVID-19. I will never go again. Why? Very simply. I have been a part of, I have given money to missions, programs to send people all over the world to help spread the good word of Jesus and, you know, and build houses and rebuild, you know, cities and other things. However, if you're in China, Russia, Afghanistan, hundred other countries across the world and you're found with a bible of any kind you're killed you're killed you're going to prison you're killed and guess what that's an acceptable cost to spread the word of christ however when the flu comes and i'm not being flippant uh, with what has happened to people or lives lost here in America or anywhere else in the world to COVID-19. But it is an offshoot of the flu. So when the flu comes and you want to not pay taxes, so when the, when the government says shut down, you shut down, you're saying, so my American life, my American church life is more important than the church life of someone in Afghanistan or China or Russia. I'm more important. I need to live longer. I can't get sick and die. Because if I do, then who's going to mail you the Bible so you can die? Fuck you. You're broken. Stand up. If you believe it, stand up. You don't? We'll do it online. Fuck you. Stand up. You're making that asshole over there in country XYZ do a secret Bible study. They dug a basement underneath their house. It's three feet tall and 10 feet wide and everyone's laying down, hiding their boners in the dirt, reading about the Song of Solomon, you fuck. No, no, you can't treat yourself differently than you treat them. 
You can't. I think that's my, that's my issue with it is the hypocr hypocrisy of it all. Um, but, you know, the way I grew up was probably very opposite of you. And that was my parents were very liberal. Even for Alabama, my parents were very, very liberal. And my mother was politically active. Like she, she worked on campaigns for in Alabama for mayor, Mike Dow and other people. And so I guess I, that's kind of where I got my, you know, I'm kind of a political junkie, but um, where I got some of that from. But uh, wait, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> we do all the time. Don't worry about it. Um, uh, religion, yeah, how, politics, how liberal was, parents. Mother was brought up Church of Christ. So that is, you know, super, super strict, super strict. Um, but my dad grew up Mississippi Baptist where they went three nights Ooh. a week, the social thing, and they loved it. And everybody was friends and it, it was a community. And, um, but when they raised us, they really just did not want us to, to become a part of the establishment where you know they direct you to give 10 percent of your earnings to to tithe or whatever and and um, that just really made them angry they were like we will we will you know tithe based on our own decision not so they chose not to raise us in religion at all so no. i really have no concept of the bible or the stories of the Bible and, and, and being in Alabama when I was growing up and I will never forget. I had a girlfriend say, you know, well, at least cause I I've been agnostic and I don't, I don't call myself an atheist. I call myself agnostic. I just say, I don't know. I'm not saying it's not true. I just don't know. And I don't believe anybody knows. Nobody freaking knows. Okay. It's true. It's absolutely true. And that's why they call it faith. But then to hear all these other religions say, oh, well, the, the Catholics are going to heaven. Oh, not them. The Catholics are. And the Baptists are like, no, we're going to heaven. Everybody else is going to hell. You know, but, you know, to have a girlfriend tell me, you know, in high school, like, until, unless you accept Jesus Christ into your life, you will burn for eternity when you die. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's interesting, you know, people talk about the King James Version. They're like, we teach the King James Version, right? I like the King James Bible. I'm like, do you know what that is? Like, it's Bible. Not really. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know there's different versions, but yes, I believe I own, used to own a King James Version. So here's the fun fact about the King James Version. Mm -hmm. Before the King James Version came out, there were only certain people that could read and understand the Bible and they taught everyone else. And you actually had to be a special person to, to know how to read. So what did King James do? He said, fuck you, Pope. I'm going to make my own Bible. It's going to be awesome. And everyone's going to be able to read it. I'm going to put the dumb, dumb language in it. I'm not going to translate shit correctly. I'm not going to handle shit. Correctly. I'm just going to do this the way I, this is my Bible. So a drunk king who wanted to piss off a pope and create something so simple that everyone could read it is the most popular Bible and the most published book ever written. This is where people anchor faith. Not in a guy, not in a principle, not in an idea, in a drunk king's 
ideological fashion of, I want everyone to read this and this is gonna to be tough, so I'm gonna to dumb it down. I'm gonna take the economics report from Google and I'm gonna make it USA Today. <laughs> and everyone's like, sold. <laughs> I'm in. It's crazy, man. So, well, I, I, I mean, I will say I hate that, you know, that you're feeling disconnected from your church and that you're not going to do oh, that. Right. People find peace in it. And, um, you know, but just, you know, I just, I just struggle with it. The, the, and then especially seeing, gosh, I don't mean to get political again, well, but I mean, political. It's fine. Well, I mean, Trump was speaking, where was he speaking yesterday in Arkansas? Um, he had a, a smaller rally with the like youth Republicans at some college, and um, you pronounced white nationalists wrong, but that's okay. It was it was the most racist speech I've ever seen, and these 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 people claim to be um, evangelical. They're young evan evangelical. Uh, Christians that are all and not a single one of them was wearing a mask when he called it the Kung flu they that whole whole auditorium cheered it is shocking it is but but you know to be in to call yourself a Christian and then to act in that and, and in fact I think one of the girls that got up to speak when you when you read about her She's a blonde, attractive young girl. What you read about her, you'll say she complained about Aunt Jemima being pulled from the bottle. Well, that affects like, her a lot personally. Image of my childhood and uh, but the more racist thing that she said was that was in she kind of alluded to the fact that the color of your skin, if you are darker in color, that it is a sin. That's a that's a very Mormon thing. That's a very Mormon thing. Oh, I did not know this. Yeah, so Mormons were like, oh, the black people? Yeah, they were burned in hell. That's a soul that's been burned in hell. That's why they're black. Not hard, just it's Google, kids. I mean, it's not hard. I would, I would say that, you know, I, I find this interesting, right? I don't, I, I can't vote for Trump, but also I can't vote for Biden. What? Well, one, Biden's openly dropped the N-bomb on the Senate floor over 10 times. When? When he was talking about, and there's tape up, I can send you the link of him saying, these N-word cops and mayors, we have enough of them. To but, but, but what year? I mean, not that I, I mean, excuse it, I'm just asking. Uh, we're looking at late 70s, early 80s. Okay, that totally sucks. But you honestly think that... I mean, do no, no, I'm, I'm saying, no, I'm, listen, I'm not saying he's better. I'm, I'm saying both men have dementia. I, I do believe, honestly, both men have, have dementia. So I agree. So they're not the best. And that's no. the frustrating part is that Biden's smart enough to put smart people around him, whereas the other is not. And see, I would, I would argue that Trump is not smart enough to put people around him 100%. Um, I don't know that Biden is putting people around him as much as a, um, a DNC that is just as corrupt. In fact, probably arguably could, I mean, the DNC has not done a good job representing Democrats 
or their base very well. Bernie, agree, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is, is a prime example. As Trump's cabinet. No, not as, corrupt as, no not as corrupt as Trump's cabinet. I would say as corrupt as, as the Republican National Committee. I think they're both very corrupt. And I think the DNC and what they've done to Bernie Sanders, what they did in the last election. Um, they, uh, and once again, this comes down to, you want a seat at the table. You want a seat at the best table to run the best economy, to work with the most, to, to actually lead. And I think we should change this, right? You are setting precedents for the foundation of the most innovative minds in the world because we have that soil. Look at China. What has China made, innovative, innovatively made in the last 50 years? Now that they've taken, <laughs> no, that's, that's not true. They've, they manage our electronics, they manage our innovation, but they have not innovated, innovated, created, same with Russia. Tell me products outside of, outside of vodka that Russia's produced. Maybe the Wubble, which is like this thing at CVS now, you kind of like put an air thing on it. It's like a, a is that Russian made? combination. I don't know. But it's I, like, no, it's I don't same thing know. with China. It's like, just show me the thing that's original to them that they've made and produced and exported here that's theirs that they did. Killing all the ideas, right? Because what's the company highway? Yeah, I'm pronouncing but, wrong, but but it's but I mean, and that's okay. I mean, that that has fundamentally that has to do with how you treat your citizens. You know, if, if uh, communist, I mean, there's a lot of things that come with that. So I, I'm not knocking them in the fact that they're not innovative. I'm saying that we have an innovative culture here. We do, and you can't stifle that. And I you don't can. see, I don't see either person creating an environment that helps that grow. I see both people based on the cabinets around them that are leveraging power, the people around them, not the dum-dums in the seat that are saying things, but the people around them, like, much like George Bush. When, when George Bush Jr. came to power, right, what we found was how powerful a cabinet can be, how powerful a vice president can actually be. And I think we're living through that again, and we need to take a moment to go, wait a second, we're a country of innovation, where are we growing? Where are we stifling? And where are we learning from our innovation that's positive versus negative? Like right now should be the most innovative time in our country's history. Why? Because we figured out one thing. The way our economy works and the way our hearts work are not symbiotic. Meaning that if you want to have health and wellness for people, you cannot under currently where our economy works and the economics of capital markets and bonds and everything else in the back end, you can't have a heart-rich environment that also moves an economy forward. You have an but economy- our numbers, our numbers are skyrocketing for COVID. And, and, outside, and even outside of COVID. By, by, outside. Forget Biden, you know, yeah. but, but for, so, so I'm not excited about Biden either. You know, Biden does not get me excited. But when it came time to vote on that day, um, I woke up and I was like, I, no one spurred, but you know, Trump people, I mean, they get, I mean, they will sleep outside for five days to get to hear him speak. Yep. That is not going to happen for Biden. I get that. But you know what? He, so I woke up, I was like, okay, I'm just not Elizabeth Warren. I'm not. 
Klobuchar. I mean, I love Kamala. If he ties up with Kamala, I'm like, done deal. Now, how can you be hashtag legalized marijuana and like Kamala Harris, who laughs about how she puts people away in prison for life? She will not, I promise her since her stance will change. I did not, I don't think that, I mean, I have not heard that, but I promise that will, because Biden has already said he's going to decriminalize it. So he said that is the first thing he's going to do. So, you know, so Kamala is going to have to fall in step. But, um, but I woke up and I was like, okay, who, I don't know who I want because none of us, none of them inspire me. The but one I, who- I was like, ultimately I want more Obama. And, and that is through, through Biden. And, and when I say Obama, I mean intellectually, classy, emotionally. Um, you know, it's just, so now, I- Now I, here's, here's my challenge, because I, I liked Obama, but here's my challenge for you on that, right? The challenge of that, and the Republicans had that with theirs, which would be Ronald Reagan, and the Democrats had that with theirs with Bill Clinton and Obama later years, right? Uh, one would argue, uh, who's not in, the, uh, not in either party, which would be me, not a Republican or a Democrat, would say, if you look at what happened under Obama, legally, right? There were more people who were imprisoned under Obama in private prisons than any other president ever. More now, and some of that, and, and I understand that stats are, are what stats are, right? How you read them, how you do percentages, obviously is manipulated. So, I, I mean, I'm not trying to get into the nuances of it as, as the high level of people on both sides and then someone in the middle who's like, I'm at the voting booth and I don't want to waste my vote. At the same time, I want to maximize my vote. So where do I go? So under Obama, as an Obama fan who was excited, cheering when he, when he first got elected, I'll say, you know, more people imprisoned, more private prisons, getting more money than any other president, more drone, attra- more drone attacks done with less soldiers than, than, than another president. Wouldn't and, that be a good um, Except for the fact that efficiency of drone attacks is less than 50%. But I mean, let's not forget, he got Bin Laden, okay? <laughs> and what? And, and I, I, I won't, I, I know we won't, I, it's probably not appropriate. This is a fun, like- No, no, it's, but it's, it's okay because we're going to turn this to fun. Don't get me wrong. Because, and, and this is the turn to fun with this, right? Is that one, here's the fun part, folks. We can go down a road and disagree on everything. But the reality is this. The fun reality is this, is that, I would agree more with Rogan on the idea and more with a lot of people on the idea that maybe we don't have one head person. Maybe we have committees that run things and come together and, and we, uh, we should, I mean, your England has it and they've done pretty well with this kind of system of we've got the queen, we put her in the house over there and we leave her the fuck alone. And she really doesn't make any laws or do anything. She's, she's 200 years old. No one knows how she's still living. And that's great. Some people believe she's a lizard. That's fine too. Don't care. She lives in a castle. We give her a couple bucks. Shut the fuck up. And then Here's all these. What's that? Who's the person that lives in the castle that we give two dollars to? The queen. The queen and her little people. The queen's not writing laws. <laughs> the queen's not doing shit. You got prime ministers and other people doing cool. You got you got those Margaret Thatchers, those wonderful, powerful, aggressive women. Like where are they? 
No offense to Hillary. They're all over the world shutting down COVID in their own countries. And I, and I love it. New Zealand, all of these people. We are in, we are a joke. Our numbers are going up. It's ridiculous. We are a joke. Now here's and he, he needs to be taken down by a land slide. The entire Bush family is voting for Biden. Okay. <laughs> entire Bush. And then there's the Lincoln Project for you folks out there. These are Republicans that are defecting, that are like, we will, we will not support this monstrosity. But that's what Republicans should be doing. Mitt Romney's the only one saying, hey, uh-uh, this guy's an asshole. And then he gets ostracized for breaking from the group. I mean, it's just somebody, yeah. if people are getting sick of his shit, sure. they're getting sick of his antics. And I'm, I, I hope that he quits because he sees that he is going to lose in a landslide. And I hope that he quits so that we can get somebody, that we get somebody in there that can get, come in. The fact that we're not even having COVID task force meetings anymore is shocking. Now, here's my question for you, because I don't know, right? I have some friends who say they know. Obviously, I don't, you know, outside of people on the front lines, my wife works in healthcare, which I see. Outside of her insights and some other doctors that I know and some PhDs that I know that have contracts with DARPA that give me some inside information, Outside of that, and that's limited, right? I mean, DARPA is very finite. It's limited. Um, and for they, you, tell people what DARPA stands for. <laughs> the defense. Oh. Uh, it's, it's a research project academy, the Defense Something Research Project uh, Academy. Uh, it is, if everything, everything we're working on right now, trust me, DARPA had a finger in it. And there's nothing wrong with that. DARPA does some cool shit. Uh, MIT and the, the weird robots they create. DARPA's behind some of that. Don't worry about it, folks. DARPA's here, they're okay. Uh, but numbers are going up. I wonder, and hospitalization obviously in, in Houston now is, is, is rising. Yeah. But I do wonder, um, numbers are going up, but how many people are sick and mm -hmm. how many people are asymptomatic and now mm -hmm. that we know that asymptomatic we used to think asymptomatic and and this is the other thing that i that i that, that i have a, a pause about is we've been right and wrong so many times on covid as far as the experts go we being the experts being people then following practice we've been right and wrong so many times right so it's like hey uh it, it lives on surfaces shit it doesn't live on surfaces but still wear gloves hey um it transfers this way you know what asymptomatic people not really. Uh, Fauci goes, you don't have to wear a mask. Then he goes, you do. And then he goes, well, the reason I didn't want to say wear a mask is because we didn't have masks. However, okay. but you have to go back 20 years to why we don't have masks. In fact, almost 30 years to why we don't have masks. Why? And why we don't have insulin bags. Why? If you say Obama, I won't bitch slap you no, across 30. You got to go 30 years back. You got to go 30 okay. years back. You got to go, you almost have to go back to <laughs> 15,000 ventilators, that cabinet. I just want to, just so everybody knows, Trump is like, oh, he left us empty. 16,000 ventilators Obama left for Trump. So, and go ahead. Yeah, but numbers also show that, right? 80% of people put on, 80% of people put on ventilators across the board, not just COVID, just across the board. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the rush to ventilators. Um, yeah. which was pushed by LA and New York. 
mm -hmm. uh, based on need, which they thought was need. When you and look at fright. and fright, and then when you look at actually experts in the in the world of prescribing ventilators, we're like, whoa, hold on, it's going to kill a lot more people that it's going to help, and this is why. So we have what what I bring it all up because I would say that, and it makes great comedy on a film. It makes great tragedy in real life is overactive responses and no one being held accountable. So we, Dumb and Dumber is a movie about not being held accountable. Dumb and Dumber is a movie about, I just get to do whatever the fuck I wanna do. I'm gonna shit my spicy shrimp in this girl's toilet and not have toilet paper. And, I'm gonna, and it's gonna be the greatest painting ever to put above your toilet if you're a rich person. I would, take, I would just like to close that with saying uh, Fauci's latest statement today which was that in his decades of chasing infectious diseases like this, mm -hmm. he has never seen one that has such a wide range of um, effect. Mm -hmm. Asymptomatic, super mild symptoms, no symptoms, mild to severe symptoms, severe to fucking death symptoms, severe yep. to ventilators. He, he was like, I have never seen a disease, an infectious disease like this have such a wide range of, of symptoms. Like uh, who, who it's going to hit, when it's going to hit, how it's going to hit. So that just really spoke to me because he's totally right. Like he he's a thousand percent right. He's also in the realm and the world that he works in, he is 1000% guilty for in that statement, not saying also, I've never seen a virus that has not only impacted people that get it, but more importantly, has significantly impacted people that don't get it. Suicide rates are higher than they've ever been. Alcoholism rates are higher than they've ever been. Drug addiction rates are higher than they've ever been. Why? There was no AA meetings. Remember, those were, those were, you could not meet. There were no NA meetings. There were no, and the people that were getting, that were going in to donate their time into call centers to talk to people who were suicidal, couldn't go, couldn't do that work. But actually, I think they could. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, because I, I, I'm just gonna, I don't know about the full spectrum of what you're talking about, but you know, a few months back when this, when this first started, I was having a really, really, really um, emotional hard time about something mm -hmm. specific that it, that was happening. And, and I found one of those help numbers that is like volunteer, you know, psychologists that are donating their time. And, um, and I used those numbers a couple of times. Did it go and through? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if they were taking calls from their home. I'm assuming there was some kind of switchboard that allowed them to take the calls from home. So I don't know if they were showing up for work, but I hope that if people are feeling, um, are feeling um, on the edge and feeling like they're not going to make it, all I had to do was Google, um, you know, COVID hotline, Texas. You, you I, know what I mean? Yeah, and, no, and, and that's good to hear because there was yeah. a, what in, um, in, uh, in Washington, Oregon, and California, they had talked to these uh, police officers, sheriffs, who show up. Like I used to do, I used to show up to a suicide a week, and I'm showing up to five a day now. Five a day. 
And that's, and, and the economist, when 2008 happened, right, the economist did a piece and they talked about uh, healthy economies and suicide rates and where they go and why they go and how they lead. And what wasn't reported on a lot that was reported on in 2008 and 2009 was the over 2000% increase in suicide rates because of a bad economy. See, I, the, the issue of black and white, the issue of this is bad, we have to stop it versus the issue of this is bad, we're, this is a calm pond, we're throwing a rock in here, where the ripple effects work is at some point in time, all of us, me included, all of us are gonna have to look at people who um, emotionally were having a hard time uh, with drugs or alcohol or bad thoughts or whatever it may be. We have to look at all of them and say, sorry. Because in an effort to stop a pandemic, we didn't think about them. Child abuse cases are up over 4,000%. That, yeah, that's... What yeah. people don't understand is the value of school and, and, and educators. Well, and that's a lot of times where children are being fed. Now, yeah, fed and also protected from abusers. Where it's like, right. hey, Tommy, you got a little bruise here. Come over here real quick. Sally, hey, I noticed in gym class, hey, we got we to gotta talk real quick. There was a guy in Houston. He, uh, the neighbors noticed the, bo- the little boys weren't playing outside. He had chained them up in the garage because they were stealing his food. Oh my God. See, I, I will. Mm-mm. But, but you know, but I mean, this is regularly happening. Why? No jobs. And this comes back to my original point of our economy is not built the same way our hearts are built. And I don't know if the two could ever co-mingle in an idealistic world where I live. I'd love to see it happen. But the way it's built now, they don't. You want to put forbearances on mortgages so you don't stress people out. So they're not locking kids and you know, whatever it may be right now. That's, now, I would argue that that's also in their hearts, and that's just who they are as a person. They shouldn't have fucking kids. However, you don't put stress in the family. You don't want to do those things. Well, people people in jobs, which makes them stressed at home, which yeah. makes them out. And so you put a forbearance on a mortgage. 8% of mortgages are in forbearance. Great. We've helped people out. You know what that does in the bond market? You know what that does in retirement savings that are tied to bonds that are 30 years old? Now... Oh. The grandmothers and grandmothers, the, the immune compromised, the older people that we are wearing masks to protect, that we are that we're sheltering in place to protect, they're not getting a check because the money in the system isn't going into the system anymore. So now those bonds are, are defaulting. So now when those bonds default, that's tied to retirements. So now retirement funds are tanking. So now as, de- as bonds defunct and retirement defuncts, then where do they get their money? Not from social security. And then they've got expensive medication and then they have a life to live and everything else. So the ripple effect, and this is where I go back to my original point of, if now is a great time for innovators, in the, in, in the leaders of innovation, in what we do that is amazing, in a world where we've literally almost hit the reset button, right? I mean, we're, we're like, ah, everything's kind of stopped. What will we do differently? In a perfect world, what will we do differently? In a great world where you can wear a blue velour tux and an orange velour tux to a party and stand out. <laughs> this, is tux- this, is, this is our tuxedo moment. Do you know how many people I've wanted to take 
uh, what do you call it? I, and just whack them on the back of the legs like they do in the movie. Oh, yeah. Because it, he says, gripes! When they <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it, this is the moment. This is the moment when I think we have two choices to make. And it's, they're dangerous choices. One is, how do we innovate and make this economy smarter and better? Number one. Two, how do we live a world, and I believe we can, right, where a guy with a bad spray tan who won a popularity contest is not as important as your mayor, as your city council, as your school council, and as your governor? Mm. Let's be very honest here. We do not live in a democracy. We live in a republic. And a republic is state-run first. It's state-run first. Well, that's why Trump is like, hey, not my problem. Well, and, and arguably, right? In here, I'm going to get myself another drink. Get Jeez. yourself a cocktail. But arguably, right, in, in a republic, Trump is like, hey, it's a free market. You guys love the free market. Go after and get it. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm saying that he is, he is picking and choosing his definitions based on moments, which makes him wrong fundamentally. I would also say that in, in, in doing things right and or wrong, as, as citizens and as people who, who, oh, you've muted yourself. You must be shaking up a cocktail. But, you know, I think we can all learn from this. I think we can all learn from the power of, of a mayor. Listen, people, if you're mad at Steve Adler for what he did, guess what? Less than 50% of people in Travis County voted. Less than 40% uh, of people in Austin voted for him as a mayor. So y'all you, you might want to just, you're mad or you're happy about stuff. You, you got a chance to vote, kids. You didn't vote. Oh, what do you got there? What do you? I, I, I don't know. This is the Torchy Taco Margarita to go. Torchy Taco Margarita. Casadores. That's fun to say. Casador I guess I should. Take it in a shaker. You get no. So here's the question for you. And I have. I don't really know how to. What's that? So here's here's the thing you want to do. If you haven't, do you have an orange? I, I love oranges, but I have a lime that I'm going to use. You got it. I'll tell you. I have won more bets, and I have uh, gotten more free tequila in my life. Tequila shot with an orange. So a lot. I have done those. Actually, one of my best friends. That's the only way she does it is with an orange. So I'm very familiar, and I am a fan. Uh, she's my new best friend because that's the only way to drink tequila. <laughs> Outside of a margarita. I don't know if she'll listen, but her name is Amanda Garcia and Leander, and I love her. Amanda Garcia, you are a G, and you understand the science of tequila. Oh my gosh, I hope you guys didn't like expose her to a bunch of like. Oh, listen, the people who listen to this podcast, the one, the, the great thing about the people who listen to this podcast is that they are generally speaking all kind of these fun, middle of the road who don't want to pick a side. They want to ask a question because they want to ask a question so that down the road they can pick a side. And I think that is the, um, there, I love it. And, that, and I think that's the win for all of us, right? I would like to open up a world where we live in more questions. I would like to open up a scenario to where you're not vilified if you ask a question or don't understand something. And instead, sure. 
it is, you know what, come over here. This is what I found. Not this is what's right. This is what I found. Because, you know, and, and as a PR and a communications professional, I honestly believe in 10 years down the road, Harvard mm -hmm. or Ogilvy and Mather or Wagner Edstrom, someone's going to come out with a study and go, this is how you do not talk about a pandemic. And they're going to cite this. Oh, yeah. I mean, this will go down in history. Well, not only that, but think about, I, I cannot wait to see case studies on the, the communications people that they've hired. I mean, from Sean Spicer to Sarah Huckabee and, and Kaylee, by the way. Did Sarah is, Huckabee never get a job as a comms professional again? No offense, Sarah. I mean, listen, I don't know how you don't act outside of being in front of a camera, but I can tell you in front of a camera, you are the least, no offense, I'm not a winner in front of a camera. You're not convincing. You look no. like you're hiding a shit <laughs> the whole time. Well, and then, but then Kaylee, I will say, is very. Uh, the new blonde talented. lady? Yeah. The new blonde lady's Murder Row. And I told a friend of this. Call her Murder Row? Yeah, I called her Murder Row. Yeah. Because. No, she, I don't know what that means, but I'm going to agree with it because she is very good. She has her shit together. As a PR person, that's how you should act. Well, she does her thing where she only asks questions and picks on people with questions that drive her to the point she wants to make. She manipulates the media and the Q&As better than anyone else because, because guess what she does? Yeah. Starts with a question. She never comes in and goes, hey, you guys. Who would like to ask me a fucked up question to put me on the back burner? She starts with, I'm gonna, t I would like to address this. What do you think? And then goes down the road and then they're all like, I've got questions. And they don't realize she's got a laundry list of fucking notes right next to her with everything else uh, is gonna burn you to the fucking ground. But as PR people, that is what we train our executives to do, to yeah. a question. We train them how to deflect. So when, so when you see that happening real, real time, you're just like, man. She's good. She's good. legit good. Legit. I don't, but politics aside, I don't care. That woman comes prepared. And I'm not saying Huckabee didn't come prepared. I'm saying Huckabee did not know the nuances of manipulation like that young woman does. And right. God bless. Right. Law school at Harvard, I may be mistaken on that, but I think I heard a rumor. So law school at Harvard. Yeah. So almost like my education as a pastoral ministries major. If you're talking about great manipulators, let's be honest, pastors are better than anyone. Pastors and cult leaders. <laughs> I will take a chance to shit on religion anytime I can because I hate it. I that love will be a super recent thing, dude. No, I love faith. I have always shit on religion. Okay. I love the idea of faith. I love the idea of being able to connect with people and just have a promising idea of there's a great heart in all of us. I love that. I do. I, I wish that I was blind enough or blissfully <laughs> ignorant enough to have that peace that people who believe have. Well, cocktails. I want I mean, they just, they have no wrinkles. They smile all the time. They're That's, nice. Hey, no wrinkles. You brought up my next thing. <laughs> is 
Trump arguably is the only president that's never aged. Well, he's totally spray tan and yeah. He's, no, but he's he, never, he hasn't aged, not one. That motherfucker, you look at Barack Obama after four years. Listen. Yeah, he's like gray as hell. He's like, I'm surprised he didn't have a cane. Yeah, he needs a cane. He needs some just for men. He needs some color. He needs a highlight. Shit, Michelle Obama, that beautiful woman, aged as well. And she was the first lady just trying to plant a fucking garden. She was just you know, trying to so her, She's got her, her special on Netflix um, right now. And I bawled it good? 10 minutes of it. Well, just at, when, as soon as you see such an eloquent, beautiful, lovable, you know, black woman who now she was a first lady that's class that's i mean and she was smart she went out there i mean and and melania for her to have her be best campaign or against cyber bullying when her husband is the biggest bull cyber bully in the world it is it is the most disgusting i think it is the perfect analogy of the american household i think that obama and his wife, hands down, made people uncomfortable because they were the most functional married couple we had seen in a very, very long time. And I'm talking back to Jimmy Carter days. Reagan and his wife were not functional. That motherfucker didn't know who she was. Bush and that gal on the quarter, listen, they, George Bush Sr. did dark shit. And we don't even know the dark shit he did because he ran the CIA. His coked out son, who everyone's like, I want to have a beer with him, who can't drink because he's an alcoholic, right? I mean, who was his wife? Where was she? No one knows. Who is, who's Cheney's wife? No one knows. Clinton and his wife, Hillary, we already know how Clinton cannot keep his dick out of his pants. Doesn't make him a bad, does not make him a bad politician. It does not make him a bad leader. It that makes him a guy who just- comparable, That's comparable to Eleanor Roosevelt. Sure. And it, once again, which by you, the way, developed her own circle of powerful women because I mean, so, you know, I see Hillary, I see that as a parallel. She did not need her husband to be powerful. Well, there's that joke, right? Bill Clinton which, and Hillary Clinton are driving through Arkansas. They pull who up to and, who and Hillary? Bill Clinton and Hillary are driving through Arkansas. They pull up to a gas station and uh, get gas, get some snacks. They're on the road, they're campaigning for president. He's, he knows he's gonna win. And uh, Bill and Hillary are driving down the road and he goes, that guy was real nice to you. She goes, yeah, ex-boyfriend. And he goes, wow, man, imagine that life. You could have been managing a gas station, but instead you are going to be the first lady. And she looked at Bill and goes, I was always gonna be the first lady. <laughs> I mean, and I mean, I don't look. She's a, badass. she's a badass. I know people hate her. I don't um, hate her, but I just I wish she would just embrace the fact. I wish that Hillary Clinton was a Democrat or a Republican, so that she could just embrace some of her cutthroat. I I, I think there's a disconnect with Republicans and Democrats. Democrats apologize for things they used to say in the past. And Republicans go, 
fuck it, that's the way it was. We're mo- we move forward. And I wish Hillary Clinton on gay marriage, on marijuana, on, uh, I mean, mind you, when the first kids were locked in cages in the border, her husband was president. When the first kids, now I'm not saying she knew about it. I'm just saying that's the time period of when it happened. I don't, there's, I, I, and I'm coming to this. The, the whole thing of this is this. We have leaders that do not want to say, I fucked up and this is why and I'm going to be better because they can't because of a news cycle and because of, of, of vicious politics that are going to soundbite them and go, yeah, I made a mistake. And that's all they're going to, that's, that's all you're going to hear. They're going to soundbite the shit out of that, right? So, they, so they're put in an environment where they're not allowed to say those things. However, I want an environment where you admit your mistakes so you know you grew from them. The best employees I've ever had, the best people that have ever worked underneath me, the best people I've ever worked for, have allowed one thing, mistakes to happen. Because mistakes, if you learn from them, make you better. They make you stronger. They give you a foundation to grow and move forward. Think about, and you don't think she has learned from her mistakes? I don't think she's, I think she's learned a lot from her mistakes. Well, and I want to tell you because, you know, just as a woman, as a woman, and you're a white man, so I'm just going to say, imagine the absolute, put yourself in her shoes. The absolute, oh, no. I don't think the world's fair. That that woman went through with Monica Lewinsky, okay? I mean, that woman has suffered oh, beyond. I, I agree. And still came out and it was like, I am strong. I am going to make it through this. Like, she is a strong woman. She, she won I, the popular vote by three million votes. Sure. I do, I do not discount her in any way, shape, or form. In an idealistic world, I wish her like everybody else, not just, I'm not trying to put her in a pinhole, like everybody else could be of the freedom to talk about their mistakes and what they learned from them because they are our leaders. And instead, we've created a program in a society arguably after Carter or during Carter's administration that said, we're not going to talk about our mistakes anymore. We're going to push forward. We're going to ignore the fuck ups. And on the things where you talk about your mistakes, you try to highlight them. Look at Dukakis against Bush, right? Furloughs. A guy wanted to go see his dad get buried. Now did that furlough spin out of control? Sure. Was it Dukakis's fault? No, he didn't sign off on every furlough. He was a part of making sure that low-level criminals could go to weddings and uh, go to funerals and, and graduations under guard and be, right? That, that was the premise of it. It wasn't a mistake. What happened and how people leveraged that was a mistake. What they, who they let out was a mistake. Some of the, but that was prison. That wasn't Dukakis, once again. That was other people. So what happened? Dukakis didn't get a job. He popped out of a tank with his bushy eyebrows and a fucked up helmet that didn't fit him. And he made that rule and he got beat. And I would, and, and you look at all those things, you go, man, how much could we learn from Hillary Clinton? How much? I know, I know I could learn volumes from her, but how much is she going to share where she was wrong and what she learned from it in a political climate where we live. And that's what I don't fucked up. Documentary. I have not seen it. I have not seen it. On the it, Hulu? It's uh, awesome. 
Uh, I believe it's on Hulu. Yeah, I'm, well, I've watched but, I've watched six. I've watched half of them. Um, it's a. No. It's a. Listen, she's a powerful woman. She's done a lot of great things. Um, some things aren't addressed that I wish were addressed. If you're going to make it lighthearted, and you're going to not lighthearted, but if you're going to like talk about your trials and tribulations, not the mistakes you made, but the mistakes you you encountered as you moved through things and how you navigated them. Um, you know, they could have addressed some other things, obviously. Oh, but, I'm going to throw a shout out to OPI nail polish because ooh. my favorite color of nail polish uh, is called Madam President. Madam so, President? What color is that? I'm curious. It's a, it's a, a pink. It's like a, a, magi- a fuchsia. A fuchsia? I'm not wearing it right now. I'm pretending as if I, I was. Okay, I'm going to tell you something really, really messed up. So when I Sure, and then, York, I, and then I got to ask you a random question. So Okay. In New York, um, after 9-11, I, I, so I was there for that. That was fucked up. Um, in New York on 9-11? I was. Oof. Yeah, I was. It was pretty fucked up. But I voted Republican for Rudy Giuliani back then. Can that you believe true. that? Like, if there's any vote I regret, it is that one. <laughs> He well now what, who was the who was the mayor of New York that cleaned up New York? Uh, uh it was right before Giuliani. Was it right before well, Giuliani? Bloomberg has Bloomberg has done some work, but Juli, Giuliani actually was the one. He was the America's mayor, cleaned yeah. up. Yeah. He cleaned up Times Square a little bit, made it more commercial. Pretty sure I was only there from '99 to '04, so. Okay. But, yeah. And to think that he is so batshit now. Uh, well, he's just, it's the teeth. You can look at the teeth and you can decide a lot about people. <laughs> I love I, Listen, uh, your, your manicure habits define you a lot. Trump, your manicure habits define you a lot. Giuliani, your manicure habits define you a lot. They do, they show you're evil. Teeth show you're evil. If you've got real fucked up teeth, bottom teeth, and you're, you're an evil little man who likes to get aggressive with people, guess what? I can Did see you see the Ukrainians? They look like fucking Neanderthals. <laughs> like, they had not fully developed as humans. Like, what? What is going on? Now, real quick. Okay. Shameless, hard left turn plug. Yeah. Let's talk about this real quick. Because we had a phone yeah. call, and I sent an email. And that motherfucker was like, you want a you barbershop scent? What other scent do you want? Here's my cell phone. Call me. Right. And I plan on it. I'm going to follow up. In but fact, can we talk about this real quick, about the power of connecting? Like, yeah. this is what this is about. This whole thing where everyone's like, why are you bullshitting? Why are you talking? Why, are, why, why do you have to take two minutes to ask a simple question, Jason? Because I'm broken, and I like to hear myself talk, and I drink too much. That said... In case you motherfuckers are wondering, in case you think it's all bullshit, in case you think there's a smoke screen behind all the stuff that I do, here is Lisa, who came to me with something, and guess what? We're making some magic. Yes. Go ahead. And one of your previous guests from Demeter Fragrances, is you had the CEO on, and I was, I was, as I was preparing for your podcast, I listened to his, and just all the things that he has done and I, and you, you can repeat it. I think you said he spent 15 years trying to perfect the scent of a kitten, yeah. right? 
like that. Yeah. So anyhow, it just seemed, you know, my, but my ex and I basically built up, you know, this barbershop business. It's, I don't own it anymore, but did, but it just seemed to me that there's this, this, this special scent when you walk into one of our barbershops where it's, it's freshly blown dry hair, it's shampoo, it's aftershave, it's Barbasol maybe, I don't, I don't know, but there is a special scent and, and, how, and how cool would that be if he could kind of capture that scent either like in your idea was a sanitizer, which yep. I thought was amazing. Um, or just how even- cool is that to prepare you for a haircut or a blow dry or a shave? You, you come in, get your temperature taken, boom, use the sanitizer on like the smell. Bro, this is our sanitizer. Waka, waka, waka. I really oh, love fuck. Yeah, I really love that idea. And, and he got back to me just like that. And with his personal cell phone number, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm calling you on Monday. I was, I was typing him back literally right before I got on this. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to figure out my setup. I got to, you know, I can't talk to him right now. So, uh, but yeah, thank you so much for the introduction. No, that's not a thank you to me. It is, it is the power of community and is why I do this. I like to have fun and talk with people, obviously. And I like to talk about controversial subjects and you know, the movie playing in the background is the idea of if you were sitting here right now and we were just bullshitting and having margaritas, we would have this same conversation, right? Yeah. And then there might be a thing that comes up in the movie and it's like, oh man, I mean, he's kind of stalking her. He's acting a little crazy. What was dating for you like? Like my wife would chime in and be like, oh, I had a stalker and this is what he did. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, I personally, I had a stalker. She, her mom used to drive her by the restaurant I worked at to see if I was working and then call the restaurant and be like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm at the restaurant. I'm working. Yeah, we drove by and saw you. My mom drove me by. Uh, we were going to come in, but it just felt embarrassing. I'm like, this phone call should feel embarrassing. I mean, all of this should feel embarrassing. Wow. Mom's not helping you in any way, shape, or form. In fact, your mom's, uh, your mom is kind of like pushing this narrative a little too far. So, you know, uh, yeah. but it's like, so, it's like, that's the conversation that would happen. Right. And so in that conversation, it's also the idea of the fact that if, and Mark, I listen, poor Mark and his PR person is probably listening. She's a very nice person. She sent me some sense. Mark sent me some sense. I hyperbolized this conversation that we had where I'm like, I'm like, what's your favorite scent? And he's like, patchouli. And I was like, I don't like the smell of dirty hippies. And he's like, it's not. Pure patchouli is amazing. And then I get this email that goes, hey, Aaron, send Jason a patchouli and then send him dirt. And then I just, I elaborate on mine. I'm like, if you want to smell what a dirty hippie smells like, just squirt dirt and patchouli in the same thing and, or smell them differently, you fuck. The dirt smells good. Like, I like the smell of dirt. My wife gave it away. She's like, oh, no. Uh, we, we've got a cousin my thing. My daughter would be like. Yeah, just, I've got the smell <laughs> of thunderstorm in my house. I'm just like, pa thunderstorm. Welcome it's to Austin, awesome. Texas. Wait, he has all that? Yes. There's like 350 cents. Fuzzy balls is because he got an email from a girl that goes, I miss going to Wimbledon because I moved. And so he created a scent of fresh tennis balls in grass here and then sent her one. He's like, this is Wimbledon. Help you have a good day. I mean, so this guy's the, the legit, but it, it's the idea of 
whether this podcast happened or not, because we're friends, if you came to me and I knew him and I consider him a friend now, because I have a cell phone number, like poor Jesse Mae Palusa and Tim Kennedy and these other fucking famous people that have been dumb enough to come on the show. I'm like, we're friends now. They're like, um, well, I mean, you have my phone number. Not good. <laughs> Whitney Chitwood, poor Whitney Chitwood. She's in Chicago. She's like taking care of the farm for her family because of COVID-19. And we did Alien, who gave the most insight. She gave the greatest feminist breakdown of Alien I've ever heard. Where she goes, wow. first movie where a man got raped. Go Sigourney. Go Aliens. Sigourney. So, Alien's amazing. Alien's amazing. Think about this, right? A guy got raped and got pregnant. Never happened before in a movie. Wow. Ever. Number two, the robot had the power and has actually killed others in the movie by just crushing their throats. And instead, rolled up a magazine and tried to face fuck Sigourney Weaver to death with a magazine. You gotta remember, he had her by the throat, he had the magazine doing this. I don't remember that clearly. And he was trying to what? Fuckraiser? He was trying to kill her through, through literally face fucking her with a, with a magazine. Yeah. Oh yeah, maybe. He I had the power that. to crush her throat and he didn't. So you've got two rape scenes in a film that's driven by a female hero. And the only rape scene where someone gets pregnant is the dude. And this was done in the 70s. Hey, wow. Hey, Sigourney Weaver, where the fuck is your statue? If we're tearing down guys who had people as slaves, can we throw one up of you? who took a stand and also put next to you the writer and creator of that film of you two just holding fucking hands, skipping down the road going, this is how you make change. You show people shit that they're not going to recognize for 30 years. Unless uh, you're smart like yeah, you shit would. I, I was today years old that I figured that I am learning this. Yeah. So you've got the, you've got a, you've got the same lasting impact as a slave owner but yours is positive and educational and shows how deplorable those actions are. So you've got the positive of why we shouldn't do this and we're celebrating the negative of the person on a statue. And, and I think people get it twisted too, right? Because I got a friend who texted me and goes, well, should we tear down all the, um, all the uh, pyramids? They were built by slaves. And I was like, uh, one, those slaves aren't a monument. They're not a, they're not a, physical description of the person who owned the slaves. Well, and our monuments aren't of slaves either. <laughs> no, our <laughs> monuments are of the people who own the slaves. Right. The dickheads who own the slaves. And, when it, and going back... I don't know. It, it, so it, it's just so hard. I mean, obviously, everybody knows slavery, slavery is wrong, but the, 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 the hundreds of years ago, the, in the pattern that it just kind of through generations is just what people did. Yeah. You know, I went to a university and at university of South Alabama and was in a sorority. And we would, we would go to these formals where we had to wear the old antebellum dresses and um, it was called old South. And uh, you know, it's just, what do you think about the Confederate flag? Oh, well, it's terrible. It's terrible. I never, it, it, look, if something makes people that angry and hurt, 
then take it down. And I saw a joke the other day. It said, Bojack Horseman has been on air longer than the Confederacy was around, which was five years. <laughs> Bojack Horseman. You know, so my, my thing is, if you have that many of a population who find it offensive and upsetting and sad, help. Be about love. Be about peace. Be helpful. Why is, that, why is that so hard for people? Why, I don't why do, we, do you, I mean, I, I'll, here's my 10 cents and we'll, for, for whatever it's worth. I believe it starts in school at a very young age. And it doesn't start in racism and it doesn't start in sexism. It starts in what I see my daughter going through, which is this. I am a Mills meerkat and I'm a Mills mountain lion. I'm like, oh, well, would you go to Kiker? No, they're not mountain lions. Look out now, look out now. Elle's supposed to be going to Kiker. I know, but it's like, but it's like, I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? She's like, nah, mountain lions. I'm like, wait, so we're already creating division in kindergartners uh, of where they, like, that's that school. We're going to beat that school. Oh, yeah, I already got burned. Oh, you're not in Clayton? Mm, like, yeah. Oh, you're at Kiker? Oh, so you're at whatever Kiker is, right? I'm a mountain lion. It's like, no, you're not. You're a fucking kid. Schools is like 10 out of 10 rating of the best, some of the best schools in America. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, you, you, you touch. Uh, so I went to a private school because I don't know what's going to happen with AISD coming up. So the wife and I are like, we're going to go to a private school. So we cruise by this private school, have a meeting with the principal. They're taking like, I think five more kids. I was like, all right, let's check it out. You know, what, uh, how's first grade? How was first grade? Good. All right, in kindergarten, our kids are already learning cursive and double-digit math in kindergarten. I'm like, my kid can't read cursive, and um, she does double-digit some, a little bit of triple-digit math. He's like, well, she'll be behind. You're going to have a hard summer if you want her to come in here and go to second grade. She's going to have to read and write in cursive. She's going to have to know short multiplication, short division, and three and five, a three to five digit addition subtraction with carrying. They were doing that in beginning of first grade. Oh, and every morning when you show up to class, depending on what class you start with, there's a two minute quiz on just whatever. So it's like, where's the comma go? Uh, do 50 problems as fast as you can with plus and minus. You have one minute. How are you going to, how many are you going to get right? Boom, 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 boom. Our top schools, our top schools in Austin have nothing on the private schools. Nothing. And then... I'm glad we're having this conversation because I was like, I was considering private as well. And well, the private has, one, the private has one, ne ne one big negative. Outside of homework, which I don't like for young kids. I don't want a negative impact on school. I always want school to be positive. And that's my altruistic idealistic crazy person uh also every private school i know you have to sign a waiver corporal punishment shut up dude i'm dead serious and here's my thing here's uh, my thing and i, I want your opinion on this because you are I a woman mean, you're, I you're, didn't, but we had paddles and but all right here, here's my thing i want to ask you this because this is my philosophy as a dad and if i'm and i don't I, i'm okay being wrong but i want to ask you as a woman because this is what i think 
Okay. I cannot and will not hit my daughter when she's done something wrong because it's a form of discipline. I won't do it. And mainly because I'm a man, number one. And number two, when she's in a relationship, whatever age, I don't want a man to hit her and say, I'm doing this because I love you. And it resonates back to when I spanked her saying, I'm doing this because I love you. I cannot live in that paradigm. Mentally, I will not. for you. And it's hard, Jason. It's hard because, you know, our children are the same age and, and I'm a single or close to the same age and I'm single. So it's like, you want to just sometimes just like, oh, if, especially during quarantine and you were just talking about this, like people are going nuts having their children at home. I mean, with no outlet, no pools are open. I mean, some parks are open, some aren't. I mean, people are literally going nuts, but you know, you're just literally like, but you can't do that. And, and, and the, the level of patience that it takes people like you and me to say, I am not going to hit my child because that's not how I'm raising my child takes an enormous amount of, of energy and, and cooth and patience. I just, I can't, I cannot create a world where there's a part of me that could in any capacity forward on abusive women. I watched my mom get abused. Uh, I know of too many women that have been hit and abused. I just know of too many. And so I will not be a part of that at all. And I don't know, I know two things that are, that are 100% true. One, my daughter did not choose this relationship with me. This is the only relationship she'll have in life that she had, well, two, that she has no choice in, right? She had no choice in her relationship with our dog, Banjo, because I bought it for her without her consent, because she was one or two. No, she was one. And I was like, fuck it, we're getting a dog. Kid needs to be around a dog. That's one. And two, me as a dad. And today, she was getting, I, like, I walk over there, she's like, I'm like, hey, go to the shower. She's six. I'm like, go take a shower. Well, will you come in and play music? I'm like, no, I'm doing something. Go in and shower. And I thought, man, you know what? I'm gonna go in and play music. So I go in and play music, I'm like, hey, wash your hair, rinse it out. So I'm not at the shower, I'm, I'm just standing there. I'm like playing Muddy Waters. I'm like, here you go, 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 go. She's like, all right, thanks dad. I'm like, hey, you didn't even rinse your hair out. Come on, man, get it. So I open the shower door and I put my hands in her hair. I'm like, rinse your hair out. And then I get frustrated, I'm like, hey, you gotta do this right. I am here, why am I here to show you how to do this right? I don't like this at all. I told you to wash your hair. You kind of half-assed it. I don't like it. So she's getting out. She's like, hey, man, I'm sorry. You know, by the way, I was going to sit next to you at dinner, and now I'm not. And I looked at her, and I go, I'm not your friend. I'm not. We're not buddies. I'm your dad. I want you to be better than me. I want you to do things better than me. I want you to be kind. I want you to listen. I want you to understand and I want you to show respect and I want you to be innovative and go crazy. All of those things. And I know they're all hard to do, 
But understand this, in all of that, I'm never your friend. Not your friend, I'm not your buddy, we don't hang out at all. And she looked at me and she had puppy dog eyes and little tears coming in. And I said, kid, I love you to death. I love you more than you will ever know, ever. But I'm not your friend. Sorry, you're hearing this at six and not at 16, or whatever it is. But I'm, I love you. You can snuggle me. You can hang out. We can do all the things we want to do. Understand I'm not your friend. So when I ask you to do something, you do it. Because you're like, oh, I didn't rinse my hair out like I told my dad I did. Great. But when I say cross the street and look both ways, motherfucker, guess what? You treat it like your goddamn hair, you're dead. And I can't have that. Right. So we're not friends. No, I know. Like, people are oh, like, you're like, that's the way to win the movie, you dickhead. I, I tell her that, that, you know, cause she's like, mommy, you're my best friend. And I say, I'm your best, best friend too. I said, but you do what I say. I'm the mom. <laughs> I like, like that. I say, and then, you know, I think I, even if I just raise my voice to her, you know, I mean, cause it's the same kind of thing. Bath time. She's like running around naked, just running around. I'm like, get in the bath, get in the bath, get in the bath, get in the bath, you know? But uh, yeah, these so, kids, you gotta love them now. You gotta love them. You gotta love them. Or fortunate um, they're cute. Right? I mean, we're blessed. At the end of the we day, are. we're very blessed. We, got, we, we have great kids. Um, how do you, as the movie's wrapping up, I wanna, I wanna rewind back to some things that, that we talked over, which is fun, it's talking during movies. But I wanna ask you this because I think it's important. So one, you know, um, and there's, there's, there's a reason for this. So one is, uh, you know, they make fun. They're like, oh my gosh, the moon. They landed on the moon. What an accomplishment. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> landed on the moon. They landed on the moon. Can't believe this. Technology and everything they did is the same technology that powers me to text you. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, and, you know, there's the money exchange and there's the kiss and not the kiss. So, Two is, so, so all of this asks two things. One, I would love to hear, if you don't mind sharing, one of your, or the worst, and then I will share mine, dating story that you, that you have, you know, when you, when you were dating and, uh, and, you know, rewind as far back as you want. I, have, I, I can share mine first if you want some inspiration. Um, and, then, uh, and then two, in a world especially where we have all parties and all institutions saying that's fake news, that's real news. No, trust me. No. Where do you sit on conspiracy theories and news? Like mm -hmm. how do you balance your news intake? So those are the two final questions I have for you. Okay, great. All right. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's interesting. So I've got a couple of stories. One of them's not, you know, a sweetheart story, but you know, I was married, you know, I'm 45. I was married for- We're the same age? We're the same age? Shit, I've got to get better. You look much better than me, young lady. Shut up. Jesus Christ, oh, I'm old. Darling. Um, but, you know, I, I was married for 15 years and then all of a sudden I find myself divorced, you know, a year or so. And so I'm trying to get back to, out there and dating and, um, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. 
Jason. It's a shit show. It's a shit show. I get dick pics I didn't even ask for. And penises are not cute. Don't send me, which is now illegal in Texas, by the way. You can't do that. But hold it on. is. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm yeah. at, and I'm not trying. I'm just trying to mentally because I'm not in that world. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to wrap my head around the dude who's like, there's okay. So I met Lisa. All right. We were texting back and forth that we met where, however we met, you know, it will be, you know, what's going to really do this good is two sets of wrinkly skin. One's a sack and one's like a dead garden hose. Yeah. Well, they never, they never send it when it's a dead garden hose. See, that's that I, I would put in your profile then. I only like dick pics if it's just a dead garden hose. I don't, I don't like them at all. But anyhow, it, it's just so, so back to and dating. And who does? Who likes, it's like you being like, hey, how are you? Good. Here's a picture of my shit that I took this morning. You still want to go well, to coffee? And it, and now, to be fair, that was, you know, I'm talking to my girlfriends after, you know, being off the market for 15 years. And I'm like, okay, what do y'all do? What do y'all use? And they're like, okay, well, tenders for hookups, bumbles, like for professionals, coffee meets bagels. E-Harmony's for getting married in two days. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's the other one? What's the guys out of Dallas? Match. Match, they're fucked. They suck. I I get nothing but garbage on match. I mean. What about, what about, what is it? Two fish? One oh, fish, oh, 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 what is that fish? one? Oh, plenty of fish, P-O-F. That's also garbage. <laughs> it sounds uh, like garbage. I mean, I don't know. I just have higher standards or something. People are like missing teeth. And then one thing that I have noticed, Jason, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expose it right here. Expose it. And that is I have seen on, on Bumble, uh-huh. there are guys throwing white supremacy signs like that they'll do it on yes yes i shit you not can we start a trend where only only minorities respond back with that same white (laughs) like i would love if a guy if a guy's doing whatever that sign is and i'm not gonna whatever that sign is i would like it if every minority across the board threw that sign back just to show that dude and everyone else to go, Hey, guess what? Your little hand sign, your little, whatever your little cute little hand sign is one. It means nothing Two, in case you're wondering champ, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, Canadian, put their own group. Those fucking Canadians are too nice. They got their own group, whatever the nationality is. Guess what is amazing? Past your quirky, douchey, dumb fucking hand sign. Exactly. What you don't know and what you'll never experience because you've decided to throw a hand sign up, you decide to lock yourself into something, you'll never, never experience true acceptance. No. One. You'll no. never experience other people too. Acceptance from other, you know, trashy people like them, but well, yeah, but that's, but guess what? Thanks for the craft macaroni and cheese for the rest of my fucking life. 
you right. back. Hey, so, Wonder now, Bread, Wonder I, awesome. I, Wonder yeah. Bread's fucking awesome when it's when it happens once a year to have a slice, a little Wonder Bread, half peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Well, that, that's great. Guess yeah, what? Yeah, that's a great right. <laughs> Guess what, Dick Face? You little throw that hand sign up. Not only are you stuck with that forever, but you're inbreeding in that forever and you're going to die off. And more importantly, the rest of the world is going to catapult past you with amazing cultures, with amazing insights, with amazing thought processes on things you've never seen, heard, or thought of before. Jason, that's why it's so sad. That's why it's so sad because there's so many stupid people. There's too many stupid people. Well, that's it, so okay, so so I'm I'm just saying I've seen a couple I've seen a couple it's just baffling to me, but I did and this is a, this is a PSA to all the dudes that are out there dating. Okay, um, there was one guy I thought we hit it off. He was sweet. We dated for about three months. Mm -hmm. Um, and we he made plans for our birthday. Our birthday was um within days of each other. He said I want to take you to the finest restaurant in Austin. You know, and we have been on date many dates together over three months. And um, he stood me up on my birthday. What? And ghosted me completely. And I never heard from him again. And so after going through such a rough, tumultuous divorce, and then because because my my goal is like I I want a family. I don't want to be a single mom. I've got to put myself out there if I'm gonna correct. The situation and so when you put your heart on the line and then you have somebody do that to you so ghosting i guess is a big trend i don't really know i think it is a, a, the most cowardly move a man can make is to ghost somebody you know what drop them a line and say you know what i i liked you a lot not sure we're entirely compatible take care you know something like that but to but to play with somebody's emotions like that is really just a terrible, terrible trend that is happening right now. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's just disgusting. And, and the people who do that to somebody, they're, I mean, I should be thankful, right? That, you know, if somebody, that, that I'm not seeing somebody who would do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a curveball at so you shouldn't be thankful. That cunt shouldn't be outdated. Go to a bar. Oh, it's COVID, you can't go to a bar? Great. Go jerk off at home, champ. Don't fuck with people. Don't fuck with people. You want to you wanna hook up? You want to have fun? You want to go meet random? You want to, you're, you are the conversation starter and, and with, with, a, with a pocket full of condoms. Good for you. Good for you. Listen, I'm not mad at your game uh, at all. I am mad at the way you treat people in that game. Uh, that's the gross part. That's the fucked yeah. up part. So Go guys, if you're, dating, if you're out there dating, you know, women, you know, and, and I'm going to speak on behalf of, of women because I think it's a general trend right now that women are, are not getting married as early as they used to. No. And I, and I think that's the best thing in the, in the world for kids personally, real quick. I, oh, but, but not for, not for a woman that wants kids. Yeah, I would, but I would, but I would say this. I would say that if we adjusted the calendar from twenty to thirty, without a doubt, without a yeah. doubt, right? 
Without a doubt, if we adjusted the calendar. 40, and I'm so thankful because I am through all the growing up bullshit. No, I'm serious. I love. No, I agree. Five-year-old at, at 45. I mean, I'm tired. I'm tired. Yeah, no, listen. This is the other thing. This is my other problem with religion. I got to ask God a couple questions. One, chompers. I'm, I'm losing them at six. And I got the rest of these motherfuckers for the rest of my life. And a dental plan that's dog shit. Number one. Number two, kids. Hey, I got a question for you about how you allot energy there, champ. I would like, I would like a sloth for a child from about one until 13. I want yeah. my sloth kid. I need, uh, I need to then be like, come on, we're going to go play catch. They're like, I'm exhausted. We played catch twice this month. I'm like, exactly. Be exhausted. Let's go. Yeah. Right? I want that world. Tommy's squishy right now. And I'm like, I know, bitch. Okay, go away. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? My daughter always was like, hey, do you know I can see your belly right now? I was like, <laughs> yeah, I do. You know how fucking rude that is? Like, wow, dad, an F word. I was like, wow, insulting the person who feeds you. Guess who's getting broccoli for dinner tonight? <laughs> Oh my gosh. And I'm not okay. afraid to do this shit. Like, I'm such a broken person. I'm like, oh, we disagree on something? Great. Broccoli. She's like, what the fuck? I'm like, no, no, no. Broccoli. Yeah. Fuck it. Broccoli. Why do I care? I'm not eating it. I'm going to have a pizza. I'm going <laughs> to have your favorite food next to you while I make uh. you only eat broccoli. Because I'm a broken father. And broken so, okay so what was the second question i forgot jesus what was the second question it's so much fun with dating oh um no no second question was bad date like tell me about a bad what? a bad date because i'm gonna tell you my bad date story let me actually let me do this this is what i like to do i'm gonna tell you my bad date story you tell me your bad date story okay. Then I'm going to say goodbye in the most awkward way I say goodbyes, where they're very long and awkward. And then my daughter's going to sing about the first time she took a shit by herself. It's amazing. It's fun. It's hilarious. And she goes, I did a poop. I did a poop. High five. I did a poop. <laughs> oh, no. I can't wait to hear it. It's the, listen, for everyone, I have fans who literally are like, I, I listened to, a, I pooped a big one. I get 10 minutes in and either I'm like, okay, I like where this conversation's gonna go and I'm in. Cause God knows you fuckers don't talk about the movie hardly ever. I right. Get I get 20 of these emails a day. I love it. And then two, and then the third one is, I didn't like the way the conversation was going. I fast forwarded to your daughter singing about her taking a shit and I laughed my ass off and I play that more. You know how you have downloads? Because all I do is play the end of that over and over. I'm like, I'll just send you the link. Don't fuck with my numbers. Can I, I want the link too so I can play it when Elle takes a poop. Oh, dude, I've got the jam for, for poop training. Oh, all right. Best. So uh, I was in Portland, Oregon. I lived on 18th and Cooch, which is, which is spelled the same as couch, but in Portland is pronounced Cooch. So I lived on 18th and Cooch. I... Um, I was a PR person at a PR firm called MKI. I'm just throwing out names because all these people are dead and gone. And uh, I was also a bartender Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at a very popular bar, call, bar called The Bitter End. And I had met this very attractive young lady. 
very nice. And I met her at the bar. We were chatting it up. Hey, can I get your number? Yes, blah, blah, blah. We exchanged numbers. And then uh, Portland has kind of a cool comedy scene. So I got tickets to a comedy show and I was like, hey, let's go to a comedy show. So great, it'd be awesome. We go, uh, kind of laughs, kind of doesn't. Kind of laughs, kind of doesn't. I was like, fucking, these are like really good comics. And I'm on the floor laughing. I'm ordering cocktails. I am dying. And she's like, uh, I was like, oh, okay. So I walk her, oh. to her, I walk her back to her apartment. Bang. I was walking back to her apartment. I was like, there's no connection here. There's no chemistry. I gotta go. I got a work thing tomorrow. It was a Sunday night. I got to work. Um, I just got, and then I went back to my local bar and I was drinking in the corner by myself, talking to my bartender, the same bar where I work at and her and her friends came in and she was like, Hey, I thought you, uh, had to work. And I'm like, I do just drinking off this date. I really thought we had a connection and we went to comedy and there was a, I'm laughing and you're not, I just didn't get it. I'm out. Sorry. I mean, I didn't mean to be dick, but okay. But by all means, party it up here. Scott, the bartender, will give you the same discount I get. Don't worry about it. Like, have a good time. And he, my boy hooked her up, hooked me up, obviously, because I worked there. Gave her my same, like, 70% discount, whatever it was. Uh, two weeks later, she calls me. She goes, can we go have dinner, please? I really want to explain myself. I'm like, absolutely. So we go, we have dinner. She goes, listen, I did a missions trip in Africa and I got bit by a spider. And uh, it froze my face from my top lip up to my eyes. So I don't have a lot of expression. So it's not that I wasn't enjoying the comedy show. It's that I could not express that I was enjoying the comedy show because a spider bit my face and basically gave me cerebral palsy from my top lip to my eyeballs. So I just have this frozen bitch face from here, from eyeball to lip. And I was like, okay, so your frozen lip is, you're, you got a frozen lip that kind of moves, kind of doesn't, and then your eyes are just kind of like just staring straight ahead and you can blink. She goes, yep, I'm like, I'll be right back. And I went to the restroom and I called my friend and I'm like, I have a girl with, that I'm on a date with that has frozen face, what do I do? And this is nine. Is this a joke? No, no, no. Okay. And he goes, what are you talking about? I go, remember the girl went to the comedy club with the double date? He goes, yeah, the bitch who wouldn't laugh. I'm like, she can't laugh. She's got frozen face. He's like, make out with her. And I was like, God damn it. I want advice. Like, I want to be a good person. He's like, make out with her. I'm like, nope. So anyways, we have dinner. We do the, you know, we get done. I walk her to her apartment and I was like, Hey man, thank you very much. I really appreciate this. this you know, you're beautiful. You are, she was a very beautiful, very accomplished. You're great. She gave me a kiss and it was all lower lip. Like the lower lip movement was amazing. Obviously because of the spider bite in Africa, the upper lip does not move at all. Horrible date, horrible follow-up date. Horrible follow-up date and a follow-up date on everything because I was a shallow person. And then after not dating her anymore, I met this other really interesting person who I had a great conversation with. We went to a movie and guess what she did? Because I'm a broken person. 
and I judge her for this to this day. What did she do? Well, we went to the movie theater. We got tickets to a movie. It was Sexy Beast, one of my favorite movies of all time. If you have not seen it, Sexy Beast with Ben Kingsley, honestly, watch it. Okay, okay. One of the best movies of all time. One of the best. Ben Kingsley is the best prick who's ever walked planet Earth. The best. The, the commentary on Brits going to Spain and everything else is epic. Okay. We're watching this movie and I'm like, the fuck is that smell? Before Keto was cool. I'm talking one year before 9-11. This bitch brought a bag full of bacon into the movie theater. Medium rare bacon. Not the crunchy bacon. Not bacon bites. Medium rare. <laughs> kind of a little gummy. You're like, I could, I, I could get food poisoning from this bacon, gummy bacon. Put <laughs> a bag of that shit into the goddamn movie. This is a smart woman who ran PR for a very, very large global company, brought half raw bacon into a fucking movie and nom, 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 and chastised me for eating popcorn. Why? Well, it wasn't bacon and she was addicted to bacon. She only ate bacon as the meat of her choice. Okay, I need to date more, so I have some fucked up stories like that. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I got ghosted. You spent a movie theater moment with a woman who only ate a bag of... I cried, cried, curled up in bed for like two months, and you you fucking like... Hey, what guy guy would not want a date to bring bacon, okay? I think you might be the only one. It's I like it cooked all the way through. That's a first. That's a that's a first one. I don't want bacon gum. I like it cooked all the way through. And also, don't be chastised for ordering popcorn. Oh, your smell yeah. of bacon is is interrupted yeah. by my amazing popcorn smell that also is pumped through the air conditioners and the ventilation of every theater. Fuck right off. No, a little ahead of your time. Should have come to Alamo Draft House. Circa 10 years later, you got to eat your bacon in there and sprinkle it on a bacon pizza, you psychopath. Hey, what do I do if I have to pee? Well, this is what we do. We have to pee. What? We do that weird goodbye. Oh. It's 10.22. <laughs> so the movie's been over, kids, in case you're wondering. Now, my dear friend Lisa has to pee, which, what, what, which we didn't get into real quick before you have to pee. How did, because I was racking my brain. I don't know how we met. Okay, the last thing that I remember was, I think that you had just, I mean, this is forever ago, but I believe you had just moved to Austin. So about 11 years ago. 11 years ago, and you moved from California? Yeah, Newport Beach, yep. And I I, I don't want to say it was an interview because I don't feel like it was. I felt like it was coffee. We had coffee. Yes. At the Starbucks by the Porter Novelli office on Far West. Yep, because I had, um, I was, uh, so Laura Beck had left Porter Novelli. Uh, I forget the gentleman's oh, name that was oh, running I, it. 
What's that? So she had just left? She had just left. I had interviewed for the position. Uh, the gentleman that was running Pornavelli uh, at the time, I forget his name. Um, yeah. I had interviewed with him. And then someone had connected us. Now, now everything's going to be. And then we had met for coffee because you were doing, was it Dell at the time? No, actually, I was probably doing HP, but after Laura left Porto Novelli, I, I hung around for about nine months and I bolted. And then she, you bolted. So I yeah, think I it was still no. maybe. But I worked with, with HP. Oh, it was Aaron. It was Aaron that was at Porto Novelli. Correct. And um, I was, I remember because I was, man, this is 10 years. It's weird to say I was young and I was, um, uh, I was at 10 years ago, 35, 34 years old and not smart. And as I remember that, now I remember because I was like, man. I didn't get impression, but. That's right. Because then I, I was frustrated with um, the blow off from Aaron, but then Laura Beck was like, oh no, listen, Lisa's doing cool shit. You should talk with her. She'll get you hooked up with the PR scene. Aaron's never going to do it. And voila, we met. And I will say this for anyone out there before you have, I know you have to go pee. Before anyone, else, listen, folks, meetings don't mean instant gratification. Meetings mean meetings. Means you meet someone and you go in there. And I was dumb enough and probably a little boozy to, uh, to be like, right, listen, I'm not, I'm not looking for a job. I'm just looking for people to, to chat with and connect with in PR. And you are kind enough to, to, uh, to, 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 to make those, uh, to make those, those accoutrements, if you will, for lack of a better term, and just to really spend time with me and, and hang out and be like, yeah, no, 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 this is why it's different or blah, blah, blah. And we talked about a couple of uh, financial services companies that you knew very well that I had applied for and didn't get it. And you, you told me why now I remember, see, it's funny folks, how your memory works and how you think about people, but also then why then you fast forward, like random comments here and there with Lonnie and, uh, and, um, and on LinkedIn, and then you and your, your, your ex-husband launched Finley. And then there was a barber thing where something happened. I was like, yeah, I pull my nose hairs out with tweezers. And you're like, nope, go in and get the nose treatment. Yeah. And then something happened where that stopped that or didn't happen, whatever it was. And I was like, okay, that's cool, whatever. But folks, here's the grand, here's the, here's the wrap up of this. And then I want, I want Lisa to give a goodbye on, on some insights or, or inspirational moments for wherever you want to pull from life. But folks, I don't get this conversation. I don't have this, this, and I do consider us friends. I don't have this friendship. I don't have this interaction with someone that literally ran consumer PR for Dell that is very smart in ways that I, I can't comprehend to be smart in. That is, no, no, seriously. I mean, you are, you're, you're very accomplished in all the things that you've done. And, uh, and, and, and you're, very kind you. and you're, very, but you're also, you're very kind in how you share those accomplishments that I don't think a lot of people do. So in all of that, it's like, you sit down and talk with people, not because you want to get ahead, but because you want to, you want to, you want an arrow in your quiver. You want to be able to call and talk to someone. So LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, whatever it may be, you should be reaching out to these people, 
not because you want something, but because you want to learn from them, because you want to engage with them, because you want to spend time with them. And why? Because you're connected with them. And that is the whole principle of this new segment of the podcast. The next segment is, I can't believe those fucking people did that movie. And uh, Christina Ricci doing the movie Pumpkin, where she falls in love with a mentally disabled person. And her mom, in the most racist fashion possible, goes, is he Jewish? She goes, no, mom. She goes, please don't tell me he's black or Hispanic. And she goes, no, mom, he's mentally challenged. And she's like, oh, thank God. I mean, this is a movie that happened in the 90s. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so, and I want to, I'm doing these movies. Like, I had seen this movie and I was watching with Christian, um, uh, I forget the handsome gentleman's name who did Psycho and uh, Christian Bale. Oh. We did something like futuristic movie where you- Great movie. A great movie, right? He did Batman, but he also did this movie with this totally fucked up movie where he's like, in the future, you can't be human. And he's like, I don't have human emotions. I'm Christian Bale. My wife had human emotions. I had to kill her. Blah, 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 blah. It's the dumbest fucking premise of a movie ever, but Christian Bale did it. So after I get through my fun parts of reconnecting with people to reconnect with people because I'm like, man, we're friends on Facebook. Why? And this is fun. And this is, this is the way it should be. A, and then B, I got I gotta, I gotta transition to, what the fuck did you make that movie? This is hilarious. And also, God bless you for giving me humor. So with that said, as a mom, as a business owner, as a person who is just well-read and just respected, across the board and you really are thank you oh but God. You are, and this is not a man or woman thing this is just a professional thing of just who you are um for everyone out there who has listened to this roller coaster of conversation right we agree we disagree we go back and forth there's trump there's biden there's democrat there's republic there's this there's that what the people that are going to go vote, mail in, stand in lines for 10 hours. I hope, do hey, Domino's, by the way, your PR person, if you're listening, and I will tag you in this, go ahead and sponsor voting lines. I would like Domino's to be like, hashtag Domino's voting lines, and then you just deliver pizzas. Coke, hashtag voting lines. You deliver Sprite, Coke, whatever it is. You deliver beverages to them. Hey, that's great. Cool. a great idea. She's but those cool. rarely want to get into the fray with. Uh, Don't get into the fray. Just feed people who are waiting, you dicks. Yeah. Right? right. So, in my idealistic world, and and I get to be idealistic because I only work with entrepreneurs and VCs and 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 random people and billionaires who just want to fuck off. And you live in a real world where there's small businesses and there's real businesses and Dell is a real business and HP is a real business. What, let's go to the women, let's go to our kids. What do you tell them? What's the process that you tell them that makes sure they stay engaged when they look back on history? an interesting question um maybe the best question you've ever been asked that's fine i'll take that burden no, no, no. And, <laughs> and i struggle i struggle with this because i i have very strong 
feelings in general. Like I, you know, just, I really do. I'm, I have strong feelings and, uh, and I will never forget. I was with my mother-in-law, of course, who's like the Jehovah's witness. And we were watching the Kavanaugh proceedings. Oh, Jesus. And I was watching Kavanaugh and I was like, Oh my God. I like look more like a rapist. Yeah. I mean, some of the things that he was saying and and my daughter said, mommy, what's wrong? And I, I just said it, you know, it, it's okay. It's nothing. And my mother-in-law looked at me and she goes, that child does not need to worry about adult problems. Oh, really? Because she interacts with adults all day long. She should 100% know what those are. Sorry, this is your I, thing. I apologize. God damn it. Out there as a, and, 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 and we also want our children innocent as long as they can be, I feel. Um, I, 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 and there was a coronavirus, you know, thing going around, a questionnaire going around. And I said, you know, do you know, yeah, it's, it's these very various questions and uh and who do you know who the president is and and my daughter's answer was the bad man um i feel i feel a little bit guilty about that because um i get i get angry because i do pay attention and I have friends tell me, you know, oh, you're distracted by the news. You're going to the news media. No, I don't. I go straight to the source. I go to Donald Trump himself. I go to Joe Biden himself and listen to the things that they have to say. And um, I, I want my daughter to be able to learn to make decisions for herself and not necessarily be influenced and, and, but for her to say, you know, a bad man is in charge of our government right now. Um, that's me inflicting my beliefs on a child. I, I, I just need to get better about it. And I'm going to learn. Well, is that, is that. Is it bad? I, I, mean, I would argue that you're inflicting a moral, that you're, you're not inflicting, you're presenting a moral compass. And I don't, and I think it would be fair to say, like, we could be fair to say for sometimes, not as often, but sometimes with Obama or Clinton or any of the Bushes or Reagan, hard to find with Carter, easy to find with Nixon and predecessors. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that a moral compass was, was, was very needed in certain times and was neglected. And that could have been personal, that could have been um, judicial, that, that could have been in, in laws and in writing and creating. Um, so I would, I would defend you in, in, in that in saying that um, if we don't look at our leaders in a light of darkness, not in darkness in a bad way, but in a light of darkness, like I'm gonna, in a light of, actually, but what do you want? If you could, if we can look at our leaders in a light of accountability, right? Which is, if we, if we remove the name calling, we just call it accountability. Just accountability, very simply. Do they hold the mustard? And for the, the man that is there as a family man, does he hold the mustard? No, he doesn't. Um, as a father, does he hold the mustard? Well, that's waiting to be seen, right? Um, as a, he appears uh, to be 
like uh, feeling, right? But we don't know. Uh, as a leader, does he hold the mustard? And I, you know, you can argue on the back end. He can do all the things he wants to that make things that that that, that are going to help us out. Yeah. But leadership is front and back. Mm-hmm. And I think people forget that and they give credence to one or the other based on their political alignments or where they sit. And to have a kid want to hold a person of power in, in, um, in accountability is not a bad thing. I, I know, but right. But I mean, the, the name the, listen that my child needs to worry you know what I mean? That that's Yeah, but every child is every child with every aware parent is going to worry because every aware parent wants the best for their child. And every aware parent that wants the best for their child is going to voice to them and share with them their concerns on the basis of the fact that if you know my concerns today if they don't get alleviated or if I don't create a path, I, I, the disconnect is, is concern versus path. Mm-hmm. You have a concern and then there's a path to resolution. We've won. If there's a concern and there's no path to resolution, it becomes hate, right? So what are you fostering in your garden? Is the fostering in your garden with your child a, I don't like this and this is why, and this is the resolution. Perfect. Your resolution doesn't have to be perfect. There's definitely a path out of the wilderness, right? Not the easiest. Hey, we got a waterfall. Yeah, well, Tom and and Sally over there, they're walking, they're walking through a field of gold. Well, Tom and Sally are fucking different. We're going up a waterfall. Right? If you can distinguish those things, then we've won. If it's just, hey, that guy's fucking bad and burn him. Well, what's the resolution? If there's no resolution out of that, then we've effectively taught our kids black and white. This is right. This is wrong. There's no middle ground. And in no middle ground, there's no resolution and no resolution. There's no moving forward and no moving forward. There's only division and only division. We are what some would argue through his rhetoric, he has created. And you could say the same for other Democratic leaders. You could say the same for other Republican leaders. You could say the same for uh, Tea Party leaders, which many argue is Republican or whatever it is. But it doesn't. It's it's inconsequential where the party is that does it, as much as that it happens. And then, what no one talks about is the burden that we live with. We live with the burden of not just being parents, of not just being parents that provide, of not just being parents that provide and help companies or build companies or do companies. We're the parents that provide and do and do and do and do. Oh, and we also educate. Oh, and also educating, we also talk about politics. Oh, and talking about politics, we talk about religion. Oh, and talking about all of these things. Well, and- We're not trying to be biased. And I don't know if you grew up, if you grew up like this, but, um, you know, I feel like I, I grew up very sheltered. So as soon as I graduated college, 
I went to New York where nobody gives a fuck about you. Yeah. Ain't give a fuck about you. You got to make your way. You got to do it. You got to do it on your own. Nobody's going to help you. And um, that was a reality check for me. So now, you know, so I do wonder, you know, how much do you shelter? But you know what? They're going to get into their teenage years and, and, and do, you know, they're going to be activists and they're going to, you know, have their own feelings about things. You know that, you know that they are. Oh yeah. You know, anyhow. But hey, listen, it is a, it's a beautiful, it's it's also, it's a beautiful responsibility, right? It is that. It's a beautiful responsibility. And if you take it seriously and, um, and you understand that they didn't choose the relationship and you understand that they want the same things you want, which is a great world surrounded by great people with great friends and pizza on Fridays. Right? That's and, right. I mean, all love and all love. A little bit of chocolate milk and we're in, right? I and mean, we're in. Don't mention chocolate milk and things to drink. I have to pee. You have to pee. So you have to pee. My daughter's got to sing about the first, first time she took a shit. I would like to say this one. Thank you very much. Uh, I'd love to have you on again. This was fun, man. This was really fun. So fun. Next time in person. Next time in person, 100%. We are too close not to do it. We'll have some cocktails. Uh, we'll get the microphones, those funny blue microphones. Earpiece popped out, getting excited, five beers in. Uh, no, next time in person, we're going to have fun. Now, folks, it's your favorite time of the podcast. This is the time when you just embrace and love the fact that I'm going to get sued sometime down the road because my daughter's going to tell the first time she took a shit. And I don't have her permission. I don't care what you say. It's going to be amazing. She didn't sign a release. Well, she's going to later. But at, but at two, she did not. So with that said, my friend, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate your time. This is the one thing we do not get back. We can make money. We can do everything else. We never get time back. So I greatly appreciate it. Uh, swim parties and a live in-person one, 100% doable. And we're too close not to make it happen. But most importantly, stay healthy, stay, stay safe, stay joyful. You too. smile on your face. Thank you so much. And now, party people. I've said it five times. Horrible goodbyes. But I love this part. Lisa, my daughter's going to yeah. sing about how she took a shit. You're great, <laughs> my friend. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Love you, kid. Bye. And how do I miss?